Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Kevin, I know three certainties this morning other than the fact that it is Thursday, December 22nd at 7 a.m. and 23 seconds. I know three certainties. Okay. I'm ready. The first, this is our final program before the Christmas holiday. So Merry Christmas to you, Mark, and everyone out there. Same to you and all of our listeners. Safe travels. Number one. That parlays to number two, which is that's if we get to Christmas because winter death storm 2022 is upon us and the local TV stations are dispatching people off vacation because we all, despite having phones, despite having graphics, despite having social media, despite having um, radar, we all need local news people to tell us and walk us through four to six inches of snow and windy conditions that are going to make life difficult until Saturday, right? That's certainly number two. I'm picturing how many times my mother has watched the local weather over the last 72 (laughs) hours. You think she has them memorized by now? Yes. I've only seen two minutes of Charlie Brown Christmas. (laughs) This weather report's taking forever. That's double box now. They do the double box. (laughs) Do they? See, I don't know. And certainty number three, Tyrese Halliburton is really good. Holy man. And Wally Zerbiak had to make an apology. Tyrese Halliburton is really, really good. Um... Jake, you know, to be a point guard in the NBA and have this just incredible ability to distribute like no one else in the league, I believe he still leads the NBA in assists, and yet be the night-in, night-out, leading scoring catalyst, knowing when to, again, facilitate, knowing when to take the shot, and to do it at the age of 21, and to do it when you weren't some five-star recruit, you weren't even the lead guy necessarily at Iowa State. Certainly weren't the lead guy in Sacramento. And to have come here and have only been here for less than a year, he's a special, special talent. Obviously, my affinity for Benedict Matherin is well-documented. Halliburton Jake is what an awesome, awesome leader for this franchise moving forward. I thought his composure with Jeremiah Johnson postgame was outstanding. And you bring up the Zerbiak comment. I mean, think about that. That's probably the first time. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it's probably the first time like Tyrese Halliburton has really been, I don't know, called out in a national sense. Right. I mean, for those that are unfamiliar, Wally Zerbiak, the former Miami, Ohio, and predominantly Minnesota Timberwolf, but NBA player, uh, who does color analysis for the New York Knicks, called him a wannabe all-star and said that he's not a... And he was trying to pump up Knicks players, but he, Julius Randle and Brunson notably, but... Um, he disparaged Halliburton's all-star candidacy and then later had to backtrack. But go ahead. So all of that happens in the last, you know, whatever, 48 hours, and then that's how Halliburton responds to that. Good point, yeah. You know, I mean, that's just another step of, like, the bullseye's on me. Watch how I will react to that. Uh, great win. Great win last night for the Pacers. 117-112. It was a bit of holding on for dear life. I'm thinking, am I watching the Minnesota Vikings-Colts game all over again? How about... 
Jason the Tatum hits a three and gets fouled, and then they're like, no, on the no, Wave it off. Foul. <laughs> wave it's a five-point game at that point, point, you're like, oh my gosh, he just got a four-point play. Yeah, Jason Tatum, by the way, is the MVP, in case anyone was wondering through the first 30-some games of the season. 41 last night. But again, great win for Indiana, 16-16 and 16 on the year. They now, uh, I think they get the nice schedule draw here. They go to Miami. But that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Right. Miami, Friday night, 8 o'clock tip. Good Thursday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, and Mark Dykton, Purdue head football coach Ryan Walters, going to join us at 9 o'clock, National Signing Day yesterday. So looking forward to catching up with the new, or I guess talking for the first time, the new head football coach of the Boilers. Um, and in all seriousness, safe, safe travels to everybody out there uh, throughout the rest of this week, over the weekend as well. You know, based off what I have seen, it sounds like the afternoon commute, you know, could be a little bit dicey into tonight, possibly even tomorrow morning. So, um, you know, I said it around Thanksgiving, Jake. I just feel like the older you get, the more appreciative you are of time with your family. Um, so, safe travels to everybody out there. So, my understanding, by the way, my understanding is that tonight probably around late afternoon or dinner time, like right around when it gets dark. The snow will begin. We could get somewhere in the four to six inches of snow range that will fall between now and midday uh, tomorrow. But the wind is what's going to be bad, and the temperature is going to be bad. But the temperatures, the snow will cease by tomorrow afternoon, and the, the winds will die down by Saturday afternoon. And then it's supposed to be 55 degrees a week from today. I saw that. Yeah. Can we play golf next week? I mean, so plug through. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Easiest way to say it. Uh, Thursday night football tonight, Jags and Jets. As we've mentioned before, the Colts can be officially eliminated from the playoffs tonight. Uh, It will be Nick Foles on Monday night football against Justin Herbert. The Colts make the... It's been a nice game of musical chairs, if nothing else, on the quarterback depth chart for the Colts this season. Uh, it's something I've been calling for for a few weeks now. Again, a huge financial component to it and making sure that Matt Ryan does not play uh, keeps you away from a $17 million guarantee that you would owe him for 2023. Um, so it'll be Nick Foles under center here on Monday Night Football. We can get into that today. Uh, one pro bowler for the Colts. Announced last night, Quentin Nelson. I was surprised by that. You? I was not. You know, yesterday, I think I mentioned Nelson, Buckner, Gilmore, kind of in that order of the veterans. I'm very torn on the Pro Bowl. Did you guys happen to see the Ron Rivera, Washington Commanders video? I did. Very emotional moment between Ron Rivera and several of his players, letting them know that they made the Pro Bowl. Uh, The Pro Bowl voting process has flaws. There's an element of a popularity contest that without question is there. It also means a whole lot to a lot of guys. I know a lot of people probably now look back on it and think, that's where the Colts season turned last year. Remember how emotional Kenny Moore was on Hard Knocks? Yeah. When he got to be a pro bowler? So it it means a whole lot to a lot of guys. Having said that, Quentin Nelson, based off his first four years in the NFL, I think it's just earned the reputation that when people start to vote for Pro Bowl, like imagine if you're a fan voting for the Pro Bowl and you are a fan of the Seattle Seahawks. You get to the guard position of the AFC and you're like, oh yeah, there's Quentin Nelson. He's big. He does pancakes. I'm voting for him. Right. 
I mean, that, sure. that's what it's come to with Nelson. Um, do I think his play has been horrific this year? No. Do I think his play has been a regression from the all-pro nature that we're used to? Definitely. I'm not going to pretend that I know the other guards in the AFC and how deserving he is. I will stand by this, Jake. I think Grover Stewart was a snub, um, and I was very disappointed to see Grover Stewart didn't even make the alternate list. The Colts had five alternates for the Pro Bowl, and Grover Stewart was not one of them. The five alternates, Jonathan Taylor, Yannick Ngakwe, DeForest Buckner, Zaire Franklin, and Stephon Gilmore. The Grover Stewart, totally agree. A couple of things here. Quentin Nelson, I totally agree. It Quentin Nelson, to me, probably is like when I was a kid, the American League catcher in the All-Star game every year was Lance Parrish. Uh, was he the best catcher or having the best season amongst catchers? I have no idea. I just know that when I voted and I did the little punch card at Riverfront Stadium that I put in the ballot box that I was led to believe was tallied. Um, I don't know if that was Dominion or not. Uh, um, Hell, we would probably do this in politics, Jake. Oh, yeah, I know that name. <laughs> Boom. Exactly. I, honestly. And so... Quentin Nelson, you know, gu- how many guards can can the average person name? Exactly. He went to Notre Dame, and you know, he's he's this big. He's kind of like Santa Claus. He's he goes big, viral. This big jolly character with a big belly, you know. Okay, but Grover Stewart is the one that I really did feel bad for because he truly, I think, merited. I mean, he had a phenomenal year. He's done everything that's been asked of him. You know, he should have gotten a, a pat on the back. Think about his background too, Jake. Albany State. Similar to Kenny right. Moore from Valdosta State last year. Um, again, it matters to some of these guys. Um, Mark, I saw your Bears had the goose egg. Was that right yeah. on Pro Bowler? Mm-hmm. Bears and Jags? Is that it? I think that's right, yeah. Bears hey, and Jags how about with this? the goose egg on Pro Bowlers. This article from ESPN.com last night. Not Stephen Holder, by the way. This is from like a Wire report. But tell me if you find an inconsistency in this, Okay. Quote, Pro Bowl teams are determined by combining the votes of three groups, fans, players, and coaches. Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua uh, Tagovailoa received the most votes by fans, followed by Dolphins receiver Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Jefferson, and Travis Kelsey. All five made the respective teams. Later in the article, the rosters for the Pro Bowl are set with Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa leading the league in votes from fans, but not making the roster. Well, wait a minute. It just said in the paragraph before he made So I'm confused. He did or didn't make it? He did not make it. Did not. To a lead in fan voting. So again, it's a third fan vote, a third player, a third coach. The three quarterbacks representing the AFC, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow. Now, admittedly, it feels like a huge snub that... Tua didn't make it. I would agree. Until you look at the quarterbacks and you're like, well, who would you put him in over? I I think I put him in over Burrow. Okay. Burrow, it's hard to argue that, although Burrow lately seems to be playing pretty well. Well, and it's also just a reminder, Jake, of welcome to the AFC for the next decade. Yeah. You're not kidding, man. Indy natives Terry McLaurin and Zach Martin both made the Pro Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles had eight Pro Bowlers. They had the most in the NFL. Um, no Zach Eady last night. No problem for Purdue. They handled their business against New Orleans. Trey Kaufman ran a big night with 24 points off the bench. Zach Eady was under the weather. That's why he did not play. Um, 74-53. I, I think I have this right. I kind of forgot last year. 
did Purdue ever play at Mackey when they were ranked number one? No, that was the first time that Purdue has played in Mackey Arena as the number one team in the country. So nine o'clock tip, not ideal, but um, nice for their home fans that they got to experience that. They will not play until Florida A&M a week from tonight. You've got Butler at Creighton tonight. If you're looking for a little local action, along again with. Thursday night football and a news item from Bloomington yesterday, Xavier Johnson's surgery on his broken foot. I do find the phrasing, Jake, in press releases a bit head-scratching when the last sentence, he's going to be out indefinitely, was what IU Athletics said, and then the phrase of the last sentence is, we are hopeful he will return this season. I always find the word hopeful a bit odd like I mean Rosie is hopeful that she gets a pet pig for Christmas <laughs> you know like I, I'm hopeful to play Augusta National you next know, year I, I lived in college with a guy that had a pet pig and it was wonderful it was a mm-hmm. pot-bellied pig no wonder things didn't last very long for old Jake <laughs> <laughs> it was a pet pig and he had a litter box the pot-bellied pig and, and it, everything was great until the pig got the the width got too big for the litter box thus the, the even though he was trained are you body shaming the pig here the, no the, the but his target he, it was hard for it was difficult for the pig to hit the target despite hovering the the litter box wasn't didn't have the width necessary for all encompassing clean purposes and you were upset with me late in the show yesterday for using pucker and now you're explaining the target of the pig. I'm just telling you. With the litter box. I'm just telling you. Potbelly pigs, wonderful pets. They're they're friendly. Uh, you know, they're, pigs are actually, contrary to popular belief, they're very clean. Uh, I like pigs. Pigs are cool. Bring, bring Rosie to Oinking Acres in Brownsburg. I, she would love that. Do it. She'd be very hopeful. Yeah. To go. Isn't hopeful kind of an odd word? Like, what does that mean? I mean, sure, yeah, you, you're hopeful he returns for the end of the year. To me, it gives me zero like clarity or zero, oh, they feel like there's a chance or whatever. So, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, exactly. Throw that gif out there. So, again, Xavier Johnson's surgery there. He's going to be out for some time, and we'll see if he returns this season. As we said, Ryan Walters, Purdue head football coach, is going to join us at 9 o'clock, and Joel Erickson at 8. It was kind of a busy news item day. For the Colts yesterday, uh, Jake, I think I've made it pretty clear. I wanted Matt Ryan bench for several weeks. Again, a financial component to it. I don't think Nick Foles is going to come in here and all of a sudden go 3-0 and to end the year. I do think your offense could look a little bit more functional, which it wasn't, especially from a passing offense standpoint. I did have to laugh at a line Nick Foles said yesterday. Foles is a very intelligent human being. Uh, very close with Frank Reich. I think that's pretty well documented. And Foles had some line of like, especially here, you never know what's going to happen each week. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> I'm like, does, is there a phrase that, that... That almost sounds damning, does it not? Is there a sentence that sums up the 2022 Colts anymore? Right. I mean, Jeff Saturday yesterday had a press conference where for the third time in five weeks, he named a different starting quarterback. This was my reaction to Nick Foles being named the starter. Who was named the starter the last time that Matt Ryan was removed as the starting quarterback? Sam Ellinger. That move was made by all account by who? The owner of the Colts, Jim Irsay. And it was made for what reason? 
I believe because the offensive line play was poor at the time and Jim has always been intrigued by Sam, felt like Sam gave the team a better chance from a mobility standpoint to offset the poor offensive line play. And he played for how many games? Two games. 0-2, lost to Washington in a close game, and then... um, So Sam Ellinger got two games to show what he could do because the owner of the Colts felt that he gave them the best opportunity based on the way the line was playing, to win games. And he did not win either. Now, would you say the line is remarkably improved from that period? It's gotten slightly better. That was kind of a disastrous time. Slightly better. Because, the bar was low. Because Sam Ellinger, by all account then, went from hand-picked starter for two games back to third string. Not back to backup, back to third string. If he was, if if he only lost, if he was the backup, and is considered by the owner or Jeff Saturday as the second best option in the quarterback room, he would be starting when Matt Ryan gets pulled. I know it's our job to make sense of all this. You can't. <laughs> you know, I, like it, it's almost a waste Can of time. We pull that. Seven sixteen in forty five seconds. <laughs> Writing it down now. I know this is our job, and I apologize to all of our listeners out there. But you cannot make sense of any of this. Um, you know, I, I, I think the Colts were two two and one at the time. So I mean, still early in the season, still in whatever AFC South race that was there. And since then, I think the depth chart at quarterback has changed six times. And what you've won two games over that span. It was. You know, kind of crazy to talk to Nick Foles yesterday and be like, yep, uh, today will be the first time I've ever thrown to the starters in practice. I know it's our job to make sense of all of this, <laughs> but you can't. Uh, Nick Foles, uh, what Jeff Saturday said yesterday was, again, Matt Ryan and the offense not making enough plays in the red zone. I think that's pretty obvious to a lot of us. The turnover numbers beyond alarming, and yet you're not offsetting that with any big plays. It'd be one thing if you were scoring points or you were throwing for 280, 300 yards. You're not doing any of that. Um, to your point, Jake, had they gone to Nick Foles and not Sam Ellinger back in mid October, are we talking about the Colts in the AFC South mix right now? Uh, yeah, quite frankly, I, they be Nick Foles. They probably win the Washington game, right? Yeah, I kind of pointed to four games you, you've, I, I you've, mean, you've been in. Washington, you were in. I thought Ellinger played fine in that game, though. Washington, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Minnesota. You know, if you win two of those four, not to act like Foles is going to come in here and be some, you know, he's going to get a statue next to Peyton. But if you win two of those four, all of a sudden we're looking at this Jacksonville Jets game tonight thinking, wow, this is monumental for the AFC South and the Colts standing within that. Uh, Matt Ryan has thrown his last pass for the Colts. Uh, has he thrown his last pass in the NFL? You think he definitely has for the Colts? Boy, I guess to use the word that uh, you had in the Xavier Johnson press release, I hope he has. Rosie wants a pig. Um, Probably Peppa Pig, in all honesty. British Pig is Peppa. Rosie, big fan of Peppa. George Pig as well. George is Peppa's little brother. Do you know that I was like 35 years old before I had the epiphany that all farm animals are raised for one reason only? It's a little depressing. Um, Oh, horses. What's that? Horse. 
Not all farm animals. I guess the horses there don't work, right? That's fair. Point. Thank you, Mark. Sheepdog. Okay. How about horse livestock? Boy, this is going to be a fun first break having Jake livestock? and Mark debate this one. <laughs> um, peacocks. There's baby peacocks at Oinking Acres. You, you just want to play the sound. No, That's all I'm not going to play. I'm reason why showing you restraint this morning. It's good. New Christmas, new moon. Honestly, Colts fans should hope Matt Ryan retires, Jake. Yeah, I. It, it's hard to believe that there is someone... Listen, he's been a great player. He's seemingly a really good guy. I don't know Matt Ryan. Couldn't agree more. Seems like an unbelievable pro. Yeah. Unbelievable pro is the best way to say it. He's been nothing but a good soldier from the get-go, from the time he got here. Um, But it's time. It's time for Tom Brady. You know, father time's undefeated, man. And I don't, I mean, I don't think you can compare Tom Brady to Matt Ryan. Agreed. Agreed. I'm just saying, in terms of quarterbacks that we have seen playing for a number of years, you know, it's probably time for Joe Flacco. I mean... I thought Matt Ryan's tone, you know, I asked him last week, have you thought about next year? I thought his tone to that answer sounded different than his tone during the offseason when everybody, I mean, Jim Mercer was saying, oh, yeah, he could be our guy for four years. Um, but, boy, credit to Matt Ryan's agent because he threw some guarantees on that 2023 contract. Maybe his agent knew something. <laughs> Maybe his agent knew, hey, his play in 2022 is not going to look good. Let's make sure uh, we – uh Expose the Colts for being how desperate they are right now. A quarterback gets some guarantees on that 2023 contract right now, which they have. I think it's $12 million already guaranteed for Ryan for next season uh, because I don't foresee this going very well. You know, it's fascinating that on this, the day when typically the sports schedule starts to slow down heading into the holiday a little bit, I, it's as busy a topical day as we've had in a while. I agree. I mean, there's a lot to talk about this A morning. ton. Obviously, we'll get a lot more into the Pacers and their big win last night. I thought two guys that really stood out to me, non-Tyrese Halliburton division from Indiana last night. You know, it had to be a game that Aaron Neesmith circles on the calendar, considering he got traded from there in the offseason, and he has 15-6. and six. He's a guy that over the last couple of weeks, he's been huge. Turned into a nice piece for them, hadn't he? Huge. And now, again, you start talking about the pieces to the puzzle and all of that, and I felt like last night, Jake, when things were reeling, because I think anybody that watched that game, I mean, hell, you just needed to listen to Chris and Quinn. Like, when Boston would cut it to 14, you felt like it was a tie game. Right. It had that feel. I mean, Boston had lost four or five. Like I mean, the, there was a little bit of an edge at the inside of that building, certainly how they played in the third quarter. And the guy that answered numerous times for Indiana, Chris Duarte. It, it felt like a game that if it had gone three minutes longer, the Pacers were not going to win it, right? Yeah. Duarte, and, really big. I thought the bench in general, you got some good production from that group. But the thing about Neesmith that I just didn't realize this, like I, I watched him occasionally at Vanderbilt. Great athlete. Got a nice shooting stroke. He hustles his ass off. He's a very good defender. Yeah. And Boston got a lot of loose balls last night in that comeback. But Neesmith seemed to be the consistent one in keeping some plays alive, which was really, really important. But, I mean, I'll go back to Halliburton. He is a special talent. Kevin on the upswing today as the Pacers won. So That's right. Been a little more positive yeah, today. Um, he's, he's hopeful. Carlton he's texted me last night. Let me see the exact phrase that he used. 14 left, brother, and it's Ivy League. <laughs> I said dreams into reality, Max. Your lips. Now, Aaron Neesmith, 
Where did he go to high school? High school, I got he no was, idea. He went to Vandy, right? He was a one and done in Vandy, right? I think he's from... Was it one? I thought it might have been two. Uh, you, no, you're right. It was more than one. I thought he was one and done at Vanderbilt. 14th overall pick. I wouldn't want to leave Vanderbilt early. He might have been... Was he one of those that went to a couple different high schools because he went to like academy, you know, the academy type thing? Uh, here we go. He Okay. I've got the name of his high school, Porter God School in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, are we to assume that he's the most famous graduate of his high school? You're telling me he's lived in Charleston and Nashville? Yeah, it's... Gosh. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? The the reason I mention it, every time I go to an NBA game, I I look around on the floor, and I'm like, a guy like Aaron Neesmith, you know, who's still trying to kind of find his way in the league, and I'm like, every player on this floor is the greatest player in the history of their high school. Right, like every player in the NBA is the biggest. Like there's still people at Porter God High School. They're like, you know, I mean, I went to high school with Aaron Neesmith. You know, I'm looking right now at his list of high school. Chris Middleton, remember Chris Middleton? Remember the dude for the Bucks? Yeah. Oh yeah, great player. Same high school. Wow, they're a factory. You know, it's just three hours and twenty four minutes from Porter God School. Bucky's due west. <laughs> it's due, so it's actually due south of, of yeah, due west, it's right? Due north. Uh, Stephen Colbert also Are we still same on high school. <laughs> Stephen Colbert went to the same high school. And how about this? John Busey, who's the president of the American Diabetes Association. I don't know if you know Brimley. Brimley. <laughs> yeah, Pat, I, I would probably play Sam Ellinger right now, but at the very least, what you've gotten in benching Matt Ryan is you have potentially saved yourself $17 million for next year. And Jake, I was looking this up yesterday. Von Miller was the, I believe, the only free agent that made over $17 million last year. So if you take that money and you throw it at a player next offseason, you're potentially saying any free agent we can go after now. And if you would have played Matt Ryan and he gotten hurt and he didn't pass the physical, that's $17 million gone. So to me, that's the most important aspect. I understand there's some people out there that are like, oh my God, if Nick Foles comes in here and wins two games, I'm going to be so pissed. But <laughs> It does make you wonder, right? $17 million for next year, considering the amount of support you need to go out and find for the future at quarterback, I think is a really important dollar amount. For the Colts. One of the topics we will inevitably discuss with Joel A. Erickson of the Indianapolis Star is going to join us in 35 minutes to talk about the Colts. Ryan Walters, new head football coach of the Blue Boilermakers at 9 o'clock on this. The final show before the Christmas holiday for us and before the winter storm kicks in as well. Good morning to you on a Thursday. Kevin and Query here, 93.5-1075 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. What a win last night for the Pacers in Boston, 117-112. They were up 28 at halftime. It was hold on for dear life throughout the second half. Tyrese Halliburton was incredible. 33 points, 8 assists at halftime. He had 20 points and five assists. He is an all-star. There's no doubt about it this season. And he gives Pacers fans a whole lot of excitement moving forward. Here was Halliburton afterwards on the Pacers getting one of their 
really best wins of the season? Uh, <laughs> still didn't do a great job tonight. Um, you know, thank God we had such a great first half that allowed us to be better or, you know, to finish and win that game in the second half. But, uh, you know, just made some big shots down the stretch. Uh, got enough stops. Um, but we didn't take care of the ball well. Um, you know, we just had some bad defensive rebounding moments there. So didn't close it how we wanted to, but just glad to come with a W. Let's go to the end of the game. We'll go back to the first quarter. But... Was there somebody in the background uh, getting invited to dinner? Sounded like that? they go to South like Beach, it. or was Somebody it dinner, dinner in dinner Boston? In the background? Like yeah. Jake, I said this. Speaking of dinner, I said this. Was um, served Thanksgiving dinner with the Pacers a couple weeks back, and was at the same station with the Halliburton family. I just love how he's wired. I think his family gets it. I think he gets it. I think he fits. And I know it's a big thing here. Does the star want to be here? Do they love the fit? I get that it's early. I get there's still a long ways to go. I think Tyrese Halliburton loves the situation here, and obviously we should love Tyrese Halliburton. I think that in Indiana, in this market, what we love is when our stars take on our personas. And like Reggie Miller was, and even though he's from Riverside, they you know they they made it sound like he was a big Hollywood guy, but. Reggie Miller, when he came here, ad- he adopted that Indiana chip on the shoulder, like, hey, New York, we're not as little as you think we are kind of mentality. And people loved it, right? And, you know, Ron Artest, I mean, as we talked about Circuit City, not Best Buy, you How know, applying you. for jobs, uh, you know, a down to earth guy, a little wacky, but a down to earth guy. People loved that. Jermaine O'Neal kind of outgrew that a little bit and and started looking elsewhere. Paul George did as well, and that turned people off. Tyrese Halliburton feels like he's of the mold of the the former there. Just a guy that, and in addition to that, when Tyrese Halliburton talking about going up against the Knicks, when, say, the color analyst for the New York Knicks calls out Tyrese Halliburton, you can tell that the entire franchise rallies around Tyrese Halliburton as evidenced last night by Mark Boyle on the Pacers radio network. Halliburton bouncing just inside the timeline. Nine to shoot. Still working outside the arc. Waiting for the screen from Neesmith. Robert Williams switches out. Halliburton unloads. A back rim three. Rebound Neesmith. Beat two Celtics to the punch. Got it to Halliburton. Count that. Take that, Wally Serbiak. And put him on the line. Seemed to be a delight in Mark. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest. I don't really care what Wally Serbiak has to say. Um, but I do think the fact that there was some national chatter, of course, about yeah. those comments, and Tyrese Halliburton reacts in that way. Uh, you have to love it. Uh, last night at West Lafayette, it's Purdue 74-53 over New Orleans. No Zach Eady. He was out due to illness. Trey Kaufman ran off the bench with 24 that, points. Man? Big night from him. Uh, Caleb First, Mason Gillis, also some important minutes. Uh, Zach Eady's done a great job staying out of foul trouble this year. Jake, you know the, there will be a night where Zach Eady gets into foul trouble. So the fact that Purdue could you know get a little experience there with him not on the floor. Uh, I think it's important. Big run to end the first half. Kind of blew that game open. And you knew Trey Kaufman-Wren is going to be a good player for the Boilers, and there's reason why they were patient with them, and kudos to him for redshirting that year. Again, 24 last night. Purdue now 12-0, and number one in the land. Elsewhere around the state, Ball State 58-54 over Georgia Southern. Mike, uh, Michael Lewis's guys now 8-4. and four. It was Evansville over Bellarmine. Valparaiso over Stonehill. Now, where, do we know where Stonehill is? Georgia. That's a, that's a subdivision in Zionsville, right? Uh, Florida State over Notre Dame, 73-72. Is Stonehill in Georgia? That's a good guess. I don't want to talk about the Notre Dame game. Fire Mike Brown. <laughs> um, tr- 
Colts Notre got Dame's a new seven and five. By the starting way, starting they stink. Colts got a new score, uh, starting quarterback. He is Nick Foles. Here was Jeff Saturday yesterday on the second benching of the year of Matt Ryan. Yeah, it just didn't feel like we made enough plays offensively. You know, we, um, I mean, you know, it's no secret we we haven't converted in the red zone. We, you know, and and ultimately you got to make plays in the NFL, and we're not making nearly enough explosive plays, and um, you know, not making plays in the red zone. And again, I've said this before: this is not all on Matt, right? I mean, this is uh, this is us entirely on an offensive perspective, and. Um, but that you know, ultimately that leads into it, you know, and so I feel like Nick will give us a, a better chance to go win these last three games, and that's why we're headed that way. Stone Hills in Massachusetts, I think they're the Skyhawks as opposed to the Groundhawks, I guess. <laughs> Not sure anyone cares. Quentin Nelson going to the Pro Bowl. He's the first Colt in the Not history. Not sure anyone cares. He said <laughs> first Colt in the history of the franchise to go each of his first five seasons. The alternate list for the Colts and the alternate list I think is pretty long in the NFL. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, DeForest Buckner, Yannick Ngakwe, Zaire Franklin, Stephon Gilmore. No Grover Stewart. Massive snub on that front. Now wait a minute. They're not playing a game, correct? Yeah, I guess an alternate list in case like you're hungover in Vegas maybe the night before the dodgeball game. Yeah. It's a skills competition now. No longer the two-hand touch game that it turned into. So what's Quentin Nelson going to be doing? They say offensive linemen will be involved in the skills. Didn't Nelson run with the football one game this year? I don't know. Didn't he pick up that fumble? and? I think that's right. I believe it was in Vegas, was it not? I just... That seems like months ago. Quentin Nelson. The last win for the Colts. Yeah. Quentin Nelson had a lot of plays this year. I, you could look at it two ways. The first would be to say it is a credit to him, to Quentin Nelson, that he had laurels on which to rest. And then the other is that he was resting on his laurels by getting named to the Pro Bowl because he did not have a Pro Bowl yet. If Will Fries had the season Quentin Nelson just has had, he would not be in the Pro Bowl. Quentin Nelson got in because his name's Quentin Nelson. That's why he is going to the Pro Bowl. Again, Thursday night football tonight. It's the Jags at the Jets. That is the number one and two quarterbacks from last year's draft. The Jets are a slight favorite. It's a big game tonight for uh, AFC playoff race. And as we mentioned before, the Colts would be eliminated from the playoffs if Jacksonville won tonight. Best primetime game of the holiday weekend. Butler at Creighton, by the way, also tonight. So a tough start to this biggie schedule for the Bulldogs. We come back. Let's hit more on the Pacers. Again, Joel Erickson going to join us at the top of the hour. Ryan Walters, new Purdue head football coach, join us at 9. We'll talk some Pacers. We come back. Jake, watching the Pacers last night. It was another game that qualified as one of those clutch games. I think that's defined by a game in the final five minutes being within five points. Um, I think Boston cut it to five at one point. Um, I think it's really important for this young core to experience those games. I know last night it was like 10-2 and on the wheel. You know, driver's ed holding on there for that victory. Um, But, you know, when you watch Tyrese Halliburton... There's a dude that's like the scoring and the facilitating as your point guard. It's pretty rare in the NBA to do it at the level that he's doing it. I mean, he's he's you pencil him in for 20 and 10 every night. So let's say the 10 assists account for, I don't know, let's just say five two-point baskets, five three-point baskets. That dude is accounting for 45 points for you every night directly with his points and or his assists. You look around the NBA... That's the same sentence as, like, Luka Doncic, 
Ja Morant, Steph Curry. There are not maybe Trey Young. There are not many guys in the NBA that night in night out they make up for nearly fifty points with their points and their assists. It's like I think we really really appreciate Tyrese Halliburton here. But last night was another reminder of like, oh my gosh, he means so much to this franchise moving forward. The the number one thing of any position in basketball that you want out of your point guard or your primary ball handler is that he make others on the floor better. And before the season began, Kevin Pritchard, Rick Carlisle, Chad Buchanan... You know, they were steadfast in their praise and expectation and excitement over seeing Tyrese Halliburton make Miles Turner, who's been here a while, a better player, to make Benedict Matherin to help ease his movement into the NBA, to make Isaiah Jackson, for that matter, a better player, or even Buddy Heald. The thing that he does really well is he finds guys on the floor. He's really good at pick and roll. He's really good at lob passes. But if those things aren't working, he's also really able to make plays himself. But, Kevin, the thing about Tyrese Halliburton that I think is... And I didn't know he had that, by the way. Right. I, I don't I, know I, that, I didn't know he had the lead scoring ability of, like, correct, give me the he's ball he's got a weird-looking shot, right? Yeah, and it's, that's a good point. It's probably funky how it looks, and that impacts my, my, my uh, line of thinking there. But, gosh, he hit some huge threes last night. Totally. Deep threes. And the thing about him... The thing about him that is refreshing but where you tread lightly. And I know that I make a lot of it, but Paul George, when he was drafted in the NBA, played at Fresno State, off radar as a recruit coming out of high school, all of a sudden it all came together for him as an NBA player in Indiana, and he got that taste, and he started looking around, and I've said it a billion times, when he went on Jimmy Kimmel and he was dressed like a complete clown, and said, like, well, you know, I'm working on my marketing and the brand of PG, I thought to myself, it's over. It's over. And it wasn't long after that when, you know, he had sights outside of here. Victor Oladipo wasn't highly recruited coming out of high school, went to Indiana, developed before our very eyes, found his way in the NBA a little bit, came here, started to blossom, and... Then when he said that he wanted to start, you know, working on his album in the offseason and he got hurt and he went to Miami and he missed a flight to come back and didn't even come back to see his team play in the playoffs until the final game of the season, I thought to myself, it's over. And with Tyrese Halliburton, the Pacers have been bitten not once but twice. And so there is a gun-shy nature about it. Because here's a guy that played at Iowa State, wasn't a huge star in college, was in Sacramento, which is NBA Siberia, and Indiana, which is the NBA Siberia of the Eastern Conference, and he's flourishing and thriving, and man, it's wonderful, and you just hope it stays that way. And there's no reason to believe it's not going to. There's just, I hate to be Debbie Downer, I'm just saying, there is that that reason for 
why the Pacers would be cautious. Sure. But, man, it's been wonderful. And he has played. He's exceeded expectation. But the big thing about it, Kevin, is he's just he looks like he's just a kid having fun. He just seems like a genuinely down-to-earth, having fun. He seems to be as thrilled with this ride as we are. You know, I think equally as fun, Jake, how about his composure with Jeremiah Johnson after the game? How about the clip we just played in the postgame locker room? He's hungry. It's not just fun, contentment. It's not, hey, I'm relieved I just had a big night after Wally Zerbiak made idiotic comments. It's not that. It's a guy that I think is extremely driven right? as well. Um, again, his upbringing from a basketball sense, he was not this heralded recruit out of Oshkosh, Wisconsin and going to Iowa State, but he got a taste of... I think what he could be when I think he was on like the U19 or the U20 Team USA team with guys like Cade Cunningham and that draft class. And you talk to people on that coaching staff and they're like, he was our most important player. I think that was the glimpse of like, wow, um, there could be a lot here. So, um, Did you ever wear Oshkosh Bagosh when you were a kid? No, but I always feel like I see it at the mall. I, I've been over at Circle Center a couple times doing my Christmas shopping and I feel like that's one of the prominent brands. I, I definitely see. got shoved in some Oshkosh Bagash like corduroy. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, now that you say that, yeah, yeah there are some heinous pictures of me sitting on the fireplace. I'm like, mom, <laughs> what? I mean, uh-huh. I'm sure I just got stuffed in a what about locker. Bean? After this. Does anybody wear the LL Bean rag sweaters anymore? That was a big thing, like in the mid '80s, right? I don't think I had an LL. I'll bet Bean Matthew anymore. wears some LL Bean. It's remarkable how from Maine. Every time I go to the mall, I still just go to the sports memorabilia stores. Like, I'm going to buy, like, four things in there, and I just walk around for seven minutes. I'm like, all right, see you later. I've wondered this. <laughs> I've wondered this. I do it every time. Well, now they have the, the like, in the middle of the mall, they have, like, the little kiosks that are, like, a silent auction for, and it's always random, like a, a signed Frank Gore Yeah, Keith Smart's baseline jumper, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm like, wait a minute, you just got to write down your name and your phone number on this sheet that, like, the entire city's walking past? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, put your credit card number on the back, by the way. Social security number required. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I saw it's odd, right? It's all they had one of those gumball gumball machines. I'm like, man, don't feel like I've carried a quarter on me in a while though. I was really hoping to get <laughs> Every one. Every time I go to the store, my daughter's like, Can I have a quarter for I was like, for what? The machine I'm like, I don't have change on yeah. me. I don't have paper money with me. I've always wondered this too. I was just at the mall the other day. I was doing some shopping and, and I get it, it, originally, I thought it was to try to get people for the first time to sample the product so that they would be introduced to it. Now, I guess it's just because once you get that first taste, you have to get it. But I'm like, is there anybody really that's never had a sample of Chick-fil-A? Like, they're still walking around handing out the samples. Boy, I just Vegetarians might not have had it. Go over there and have some lunch. Uh, Mark, you said there was a call questioning the... Validity of the Colts still in the playoff yeah, mix? He couldn't stay on the phone, but he was like, I think the Titans need to win, not the Jaguars. Or the, the Colts need the Titans to lose, not the Jaguars. So he, I think he wanted clarification okay. the playoff scenarios, how the Colts Boy. can be eliminated. Mark, I did not think we'd get a call about I the know. Colts' playoff chances and clarification on that. But just so we're all clear heading into tonight, Thursday night football, this is the 0.2% chance. 0.2%. On how the Colts can make the playoffs. Starts with the Colts winning out. That would be Chargers at Giants. Home to the Texans. So that's the first order of business. You move on to the Titans. You need the Titans to lose. And by the way, is Ryan Tannehill done for the year? Did I see that last night? Yeah, there's reports that he might be done for the year. Malik Willis time in Tennessee. And they're going to find... 
I thought Malik Willis in the times that we've seen him looks like he might have some skill. So you need the Titans to lose out. They have already lost four straight, by the way. They have Texans, Cowboys on a short week, and then they end the year in Jacksonville. You're saying short week for the Cowboys or for the Titans? Well, but I mean, both. Thursday night football, I guess. Okay. Um, uh, I see what you're saying. I thought they were coming off of. Sorry. And then the last order of business would be Jacksonville. You need Jacksonville to lose their next two before beating Tennessee in the last week of the season. Jacksonville's next two at the Jets tonight and at the Texans. So you are eliminated with any loss by the Colts or any Jacksonville win or Tennessee win in the next two weeks. You think the Colts will beat the Chargers with Nick Foles? I do not, but... I'm probably one that is more on the Chargers hype train, and I wonder to myself at times, why are they not better? But I know they're really banged up on defense. Wouldn't it be funny if like Nick Foles comes in, and on Monday night they win, and the playoff or the the draft pick chances just. Mark, I don't know. I, I, Mark, I don't know if "funny" is the word I would oh use. Jake is laughing right now. Some people are crying. I believe I, in their cars. I most was laughing at the little sound effect. Mark was. Thank was you. I sound like Chris Berman for a second? That's right. Again, if the Colts lose out, back, 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 back. Guaranteed a top five pick. They lose out. Guaranteed a top five pick. If they lose on Monday, they will move up in the draft order because you've got Rams, Broncos on Christmas Day. Right now, the Colts are sixth. Both of those teams above them in the draft order. Ryan Walters, Purdue head football coach, going to join us at 9. We'll talk some Colts with Joel Erickson next as they make another change at quarterback. By the way, if you are just getting up and getting set to go to work, I would imagine most people are probably in by now, but uh, it is still pretty mild outside, and I think it's going to be over the course of this afternoon. It is this evening when things really turn ugly. The temperatures plummet, the wind kicks in. And it sounds then, like late afternoon, early evening. Yeah, yeah, I think basically around the time that it starts to get dark uh, today when the sun sets is when things are going to get ugly. And then as I understand it, basically tomorrow, don't plan on being out and about unless you have to be. And then Saturday, uh, the snow will cease before Saturday. And then by Saturday afternoon, the winds die down just a little bit and Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve evening, like if you're going to family services, or I mean family get-togethers or church services, I, I think the roads will probably be a little slick, but they'll be manageable. But tomorrow, probably plan on chili and peanut butter sandwiches or cornbread. What do you eat with chili? Well, I was going to come over and get some Pop-Tarts. <laughs> I, that Just walk down Central. SpaghettiOs, too. Yeah, you come on down. Come on over. Still picturing you out in the middle of the street that morning. You still haven't Venmoed me, by the way, for the gas <laughs> when I drove you to work. I made it easy for you, didn't I? Uh, but yeah, you were, boy, right in the middle of the street there. Um, I forgot about please that. Please slow down. Yeah, literally. Uh, Joel Erickson joins us now from the Indianapolis Star. Joel, any children in the car right now? No, no, no children in the car at the moment. So we are set and ready to go, and if my conversations with you were accurate, we are heavy in the Lego world at the Erickson household this Christmas, correct? Yeah, yeah. Big, big, heavy, heavy in the Lego world, and heavy on Spidey and his amazing friends. The, uh, I guess it's a Disney. I guess it's a Disney show that's on the channel, but we we know it from Disney Plus. Well, let me tell you something. Once, once the Legos become a part of the household, I simply know not from personal experience, but not only from friends, but from athletes I've covered. Be careful where you step. <laughs> 
Oh, but that Looking happened at Home Alone. Was they it did really? Legos and ornaments and action figures, and the uh, bad guys oh, stepped yeah, on right. them. And yeah. Well, Austin Crozier got hurt one year, missed games for the Pacers because he stepped on a le- on Legos. Really? Yeah. That would be probably the only thing we haven't seen yet with the Colts this year, right, Joel? Yeah, he missed games. Yes. Austin Crozier, when he was with the Pacers, missed two games once because he had stepped on. He was barefoot and stepped on logos or Legos. My sorry. goodness. Yeah. That is. Boy, that's quite the storyline. Again, Joel Erickson. Joel A. Erickson is with us here from the Star. Joel, I know Nick uh, or Jeff Saturday did not say this yesterday about benching Matt Ryan and starting Nick Foles. Obviously, I think we all watch the games and see there's a velocity, lack of velocity from Matt Ryan. I'm very curious if the shoulder injury has played into that. I also am curious in watching Nick Foles these final three games. Do we see an offense that is functioning better from like a pre-snap processing standpoint. I, I This might be too harsh on Matt Ryan, but I don't feel like we got like the Phillip Rivers chess match type of I know where to go with the football before the ball is snapped. So many free rushers, the inability to take advantage of kind of hot reads and, and those things. I'm interested to see if a guy that's you know, a 10, 11-year vet in Nick Foles can accomplish any of that for the Colts. Yeah, you're you're speaking my language right, right now, Kevin, because I, I feel like as much as we've talked about the arm strength thing, the, the stuff that stood out to me more than anything is that I was kind of expecting that Rivers uh, just always in the right play, um, throwing the ball sometimes when a receiver is three steps into a 15-yard route and the ball just settles perfectly into his hands. I don't feel like we've seen that level of anticipation from Ryan. Um, and, and, you know, Phillip Rivers is, is you know, in a, from a, a brain standpoint, is one of the best to ever do it. But that's, that's what I thought the Colts were getting this year, and I haven't seen it either. With Foles, what's interesting to me is, you know, Jeff Saturday told told you yesterday that, you know, they didn't really plan on changing the offense. They didn't plan on, on making any big tweaks to it. I know that part of the reason that the Eagles were so successful when they had Foles is that Frank Reich basically took the offense and revamped it to fit him perfectly. And so... If they're not doing that, if they're not tailoring all this stuff to Foles, um, I just wonder. I wonder if it's. I was. I was thinking through this yesterday. Thinking through the press conference, I was like, Are they going? Are they giving him the best chance to succeed here? If they're just going to run the same stuff, and uh, he hasn't practiced with the first teamers until now, and uh, you know, it, it just feels like like maybe he might be at a disadvantage. Joel, I, I mentioned earlier. You know, the fact that Sam Ellinger was put in as the starter, now, you know, Nick Foles. When I look at this, I see it as, well, it's interesting because Sam Ellinger clearly now has been relegated back to third string after just a two-game tryout. Am I am I misreading it? Am I reading too hard into that? No, I mean, I mean, he's, yeah. He, I mean, obviously, it, statistically, I realize that's the case. But, like, in other words, is this an, any sort of an indictment on Ellinger or is it simply a matter of, you know what, let's – Let's just see what happens with Foles. Well, it's 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 something of an indictment on Ellinger because he was given a chance and and didn't do it. But the thing is, like, it's an indictment on where Ellinger is now. And Ellinger himself told at the beginning of the season that he thought he was in the beginning of a two year process where he was going to learn and and change his throwing motion and do all this stuff to to sort of become the NFL quarterback uh, he was hoping to be. I mean, what what that ceiling is? I don't know if it's more than a backup. But um, they they sped up the time you know they sped up the timetable on him. 
for what he thought he was headed into this season. So it's it, it is an indictment on him, but it's an indictment on him as a as a starting quarterback in the NFL right now, which the the entire off season they never expected him to be. I mean, that's why Foles is here because when they brought him in. The, the idea was if Ryan got hurt in a perfect situation where they're competing for a playoff first and something very different than the season that's unfolded, um, they wanted experience backup, and then they were just going to give Ellinger a chance to prove himself and develop. And then, you know, the way this season went and what Jim Irsay wanted and everything changed all that on Ellinger. So it is something of a, it is something of an indictment, but again, an indictment on him as a starting caliber NFL quarterback, which none of us expected him to be. Again, he's Joel A. Erickson for the Indianapolis Star. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, I don't know if Nick Foles wants to be here next year. I, I'll preface it with that. I mean, he clearly has an extremely close relationship with Frank Reich. That was a big reason why he wanted to come here. I think it was enticing to him that he could be a backup to Matt Ryan for two years. Um, having said that, do you think in any way, shape, or form the Colts view these final three games with Nick Foles as a, hey, maybe he can be that veteran bridge guy to the next QB coming up in 2023 and your quarterback room this next fall could look like Foles, Ellinger, and a first-round pick at QB. I I think that, that makes logical sense just given the fact that he's under contract. Convincing Foles, um, you know, it, with, without having talked to him and knowing exactly where he sits on it, convincing Foles might be, I guess, the harder part of He's kind of been through this before where he's, he's a veteran who's, who's kind of keeping the seat warm for the first-round pick. Who knows if he wants to do that. He is under contract for that season. So, um, But in terms of not having to cut people, not having to incur dead money on the cap and then sign someone, because you assume that if they bring in a first-round quarterback, they're going to sign some sort of veteran um, at some point. Uh, the, the, the cheapest way on the salary cap, not that what Foles is making is a, is a big... Uh, hindrance to that but you know if if you're going to do that you, you you the easiest way to do it is just keep with one of the guys that you have you know a lot of it i think depends on what what Foles wants to do and and where he is after this season he's he's kind of been uh sort of jerked around by everything that's happened with the quarterback room maybe um i, I don't know if i don't know if probably maybe more than anybody else just because he, he was the only had two snaps before now Joel A. Erickson is our guest. We're talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Joel, with Kevin and I talked earlier about Grover Stewart getting snubbed from the Pro Bowl. For those that still care about the Pro Bowl, Quentin Nelson got in. Were you surprised by, uh, not just for Indianapolis, but I guess league-wide by, league by the Pro Bowl, any Pro Bowl announcements? Um, I, I don't know if anyone jumped out at me. I Kevin and I have kind of been talking about how uh, all season about how the Colts' defensive tackles both probably deserve it, and we're we're facing a tough uh, road given who else is in the uh, given who else is in the in the conference. Plus, any any time a team loses, you just don't get a lot of Pro Bowlers. Right. It's a so, it's a great conference for defensive tackles. Yeah, unbelievable. And you you have some guys sort of coming into their own. I think Quinn Williams has like eleven sacks this year. Um, the, some some of the big counting numbers, just an unbelievable defensive tackle. Uh, and pass rushing defensive tackle, which is what what gets you in the Pro Bowl. That's, that was the other thing with Stewart. I think Grover Stewart has had absolutely a Pro Bowl season. I know players on other teams have told him that. I, I know after the second Tennessee game, um, 
in the locker room, the Colts were talking about how Derrick Henry like singled out Stewart and went to him and said, "Man, people got to like start talking about you." But it's just the way the way they have it set up, where only three defensive tackles make it. It's it's always going to be tough for a nose tackle. He's got four sacks, but you know some of these guys have a much bigger pass rush number. I was talking to Zaire Franklin yesterday in the locker room about um, you know Pro Bowl in general, and I thought. Zaire made a really good point of like, oftentimes the Pro Bowl voting, the NFL's a year behind. Like it, yeah. it, it almost takes a year of the hype, and then you start to get a little bit more name recognition. Honestly, we probably saw that with Kenny Moore. Hell, we saw that with yeah. Darius Leonard. I mean, remember Leonard didn't make it his rookie year. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it does tend to follow it, and then and then if you're an offensive lineman, you get to stay in there probably a year or two too long. Um, when when it starts to go a little bit on you, so. Um, that that's probably right. I think I think that year's got a good look at it. I think the other thing about the Pro Bowl is I think most fans are kind of like ah the Pro Bowl, who cares? The players care. Oh, the they players, care. Look the at the players, Washington video last night on social media. Yeah, it, it matters to the players to be recognized. They 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 when they're playing well, they they want people to 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 recognize that they're playing well. And you know, for a guy like Grover Stewart, um, it, it's just he's. He's, you think about where his career started from Albany State and rotational his first couple of years and, and what he's built himself into, that would be sort of like a crowning achievement for him and, and not getting it, that, that's tough. A man that will utter the phrase, time to clean up the Legos a lot here in the next few weeks. He is Joel A. Erickson. Did from you know uh, Lego plural is Lego? I, I, I just learned that. I also said Legos. Apparently plural for Lego is Lego. <sighs> Educate and entertain. With Legos. I, I, I want to be mad Legos. at Jake there, but I guess I'm more mad at whoever came up with that. Yeah, that's there you go. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I can't even I'm, be mad I'm at Jake. With Legos. I, I'm with you. I'm with Let's just, this show, we will be the outliers and Thank just you. go with Legos. Right. I, I Our agree. dictionary says Legos. Correct. That's right. Yeah. There, go ahead. There's 5,000 pieces. Calling it Lego feels weird. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> and as a father of three, Joel A. Erickson, you deserve uh, to have that authority. Um, <laughs> I listen to Jeff Saturday in these press conferences, and I'm a bit torn on some of his comments. Um, he throws in the caveat quite often, I think, of, hey, I was hired here because things were really, really bad, and what was I going to be able to do to change things? Uh, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, um, but he said that in some way, shape, or form. And in one way, I'm like, well, I mean, look at what Steve Wilkes is doing in Carolina. I mean, Carolina's got three games to go, and if they went out, they're in the playoffs. That's part of it. The other part of it is like, I don't necessarily disagree with Jeff Saturday. I do think he was thrown into an awful situation, and the more I hear him say those comments, and the more the Colts continue to have the results that they've had recently, I'm thinking, well, are those comments more of an indictment on Chris Ballard and the roster he's assembled? I I think it's hard to hard to know what what Saturday Saturday means when he says that. I think. I think both things are probably true. I, I think um, even before even before Saturday was here, I thought some of the losses were more of an indictment on the on the roster Chris Ballard assembled um, than it was necessarily on the coaching because I just didn't know um, what game plan or what you could do when you were dealing with uh, the offensive line playing the way it was early in the season and the way it honestly. It's, I feel like they're still playing. If they're playing better, they're playing a little bit better. There were a lot of pass rush plays on Saturday. In the uh, in the Vikings game that that where the offensive line kind of capitulated and Ryan has under pressure, so um, I, I do think that that's part of it. And then the other thing is it, not just not just with with Steve Wilkes, but also you know 
Ursay said he made the move because he saw a downward trend and he was trying to stop it. And right now they're one and four since since they made the move. They were three five and one before that. They were three three and one before um, people started uh, telling people who to play at quarterback. And to me, you didn't stop the fall at all by making the move. So uh, I think both things are true, KB. I think I think you're, there's probably some some level of both things. Is yeah, an interim coach can can turn around in a situation that looks. Bad. I mean, Carolina, Carolina somehow getting back into it. If you look at just what they have at quarterback, forget the rest of the roster. Right. Just look at what they have at quarterback. That's a pretty good job by Steve Wilkes, and shows that it's possible as an interim coach to come in and turn around a bad situation. I mean, I would take I, I would take the Colts quarterback room over Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker. I was going to say, P.J. Walker, man. Joel, how far off are the Colts? It, it feels pretty far. I mean, the quarterback the quarterback is, is significant. I mean, if you get – it feels like the offensive line needs an overhaul uh, of some sort. You know, maybe if, maybe if you get Ryman uh, – developed in the offseason and he becomes a starter then you're a little closer on the offensive line but you also know that going into this offseason there's going to be people who are taken away from the roster that we probably think of as good players just because that's what happens when a team sort of resets itself and this is a team that isn't just they're not just they don't just have four wins their point differential now is terrible um, and that's something that Chris Ballard's always pointed to as a sign of as a sign of what a team is. You know, point differential is a simple way to look at it. Their point differential is terrible now, um, and, and it feels like it, they need to significantly fix it. But it also just feels like until there's a quarterback, who knows? They might be spinning their wheels for a long, long you know, time. You know, Joel, I keep going back to this in the back of my mind. Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback arguably ever to play the game. And it took him 22 games to finally win in back-to-back weeks. I realized with Andrew Luck that wasn't the case. I mean, Andrew Luck, you were off and running. There were just that was a pretty phenomenal thing that happened with Andrew Luck. But um, they're going to have theoretically a rookie quarterback next year or a new quarterback next year. And it took Peyton Manning 22 games. It took Andrew Luck. You know they had success right away, but then there was you know instability, and they couldn't keep him healthy and all around. This is not an easy thing to do, man. And you know Tua didn't even make the Pro Bowl in the AFC. It's really hard for me to look at it, and I don't think that they're terrible. I don't, and it's more about the AFC than just the Colts themselves. But talk me off the ledge here. Uh, well, you know, I mean, Joe Burrow is another good example. It took Burrow a full year. I mean, I know he was hurt. But they weren't really they weren't winning games uh, a lot his his rookie season and, and I think now you know Joe Burrow looks like he's he's right up there as as one of the top five guys uh, going forward. So it, it does it does take some time. And the other thing is if they they're going to bring in this rookie quarterback whoever they bring in, you have to be able to support him because I think we've all seen highly drafted quarterbacks people who came out looking pretty good. Uh, and then their careers essentially torpedoed by what's around them. And so at the very least, somehow they have to figure out a way to fix the offensive line and get the offense back to uh, something where the quarterback 
what, what it was supposed to be going into the season where the quarterback was being supported by the offense instead of trying to lift it. They, they have to do that with a rookie quarterback because otherwise you start getting into a cycle of he's not playing well because he's not surrounded by uh, – impartially because of his youth and partially because of you know, what he's surrounded by. Uh, that leads to negative answers. That leads to criticism. And the next thing you know, a guy is gone after three years. So they've got to find a way to support – if they're going to draft a quarterback, which I think we all expect them to – They've got to find a way to support him, and it becomes if you believe a guy's a guy, you got to do whatever you can to make sure he has every chance to prove you right on that. Joel, last one, and thank you for the time on this Thursday morning. Um, on the care meter, this probably falls on the why the hell would I care about that? Um, but there were a couple roster moves the Colts have made in the past week that made me go, hmm, that's kind of interesting. They cut Curtis Brooks off their practice squad. Six-round pick out of Cincinnati. We had Luke Fickle on during the offseason. Luke Fickle called them the MVP of their defense, a defense that had Sauce Gardner, Defensive Rookie of the Year, on it. Um, And again, he was just on the practice squad for the Colts. Uh, And then they also cut, after Sunday's game earlier this week, Afadio Deniobo, who's been, I would say, easily their most effective edge rotational rusher. Um... Any thoughts or any background you have on either of those two moves? Uh, no, and I did try. I did try uh, to go kind of outside, you know, fi- find out from outside the organization what was what was going on there. But uh, puzzling to me too. I mean, Odenigbo has been very good. I mean, he's played twenty four percent of the snaps and had three and a half sacks and and six quarterback hits, and, and he's been a pretty consistent guy. He just blocked the punt too. Um, so you, you, I don't I don't know exactly what happened there, but it feels like it feels like it had to be something more than performance. And I know I know that sometimes players sort of ask for um, a chance to go somewhere else. But you don't I don't know if you see that this late in the season, um, just not knowing if you're going to get picked up. So very very strange in terms of. And then with Brooks, I would have thought you'd keep him just as a. I mean, they kept other developmental players. Uh, a lot longer, like Chris Williams is a good example of a guy who's been on the practice squad and bounced around for a while. It's very yeah. rare to see them bail on a draft pick before the end of year one. Yeah, so, yeah, we that was one of the things that we sort of, like, I know I, and, and I think you too, probably meant to get to yesterday with Saturday, and then he, you know, they, they, they changed the starting quarterback again, and so the press conference was all about that. So, maybe maybe on Friday we can get a chance to ask about some of that stuff. Again, he is Joel A. Erickson. He's been a busy man at the Lego store, and we are sticking with Legos plural in terms of it's time to That's clean right. up your Legos moving forward. Joel, I'm sure it'll be a bundle of fun for you here over the weekend. Enjoy the time with the boys, and uh, as always, thanks for hopping on, man. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me on, guys. Joel A. Erickson right there from the Indianapolis Star. I got to watch Home Alone tonight. I love that scene when they step on like the ornaments and the action you, figures. And you the... know, one thing that befuddles me every year this time when this happens, because like you mentioned that Kevin, like you want to watch Home Alone, and I'm like, you're gonna have plenty of opportunity to because tomorrow I think everybody it's it's everybody's hunkered down, right? I get it. I totally understand why, and I don't have six mouths to feed, so I get that too. But. Like people that rush out today and go to the grocery store and just load up and like it. I mean, 
even the predictions are saying this is going to be a 30-hour inconvenience. I realize Saturday, you know, and then maybe there's a curveball here because it is the holiday, so people anyway are going and getting stuff because they have family coming over. But that aside, in the middle of January, when they have something where they're like, hey, there's going to be a snowstorm on Friday, and then by Saturday everything will clear out. Like, why do people go and buy, like, a week's worth of groceries when you know for a fact it's going to be, like, one day that's impassable? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, my only thing right now in seeing people do that is because the storm's supposed to hit, what, this afternoon? Or, or, I, and I get, I mean, Early we this are, evening. Yeah, and people And then you are have Christmas family. on the tail end. So I'm saying, like, that. grocery theoretically could be closed Christmas Eve, yeah, Christmas that's, Day. that's fair. So, uh, but to your point, yeah, I often show up to the grocery i'm like the bread aisle looks like that are they feeding ducks i I mean i've always said kevin i i have never i live on my own right i mean admittedly shannon you know i'm over there for dinner usually but i have i live on my own i never in my life have ever cooked my own meal and you could come and let's not sell yourself short you've done spaghettios pop tart again i've never actually like you i've never i've never once turned on my oven let's put it that way turn on the toaster i do do that you could without prompt all of a sudden come in and seal off my residence for two days and and i would have enough stuff laying around to get by for two days and be like yeah okay i mean i'm gonna eat like a peanut butter sandwich and whatever i you know i'm not cooking myself a six course meal admittedly but plus i've seen that love seat day you, or two i've seen that love seat you have man you don't need to move from that at all <laughs> that's right but i mean I, I just it just befuddles me that's all that's all i just find it stunning holiday cheer from jQuery. plenty of french toast to be made stop yeah. buying all the bread <laughs> uh ryan walters purdue head football coach in a half hour let's do a morning check down the Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, last night in the association, Pacers over the Celtics, 117-112. It was Tyrese Halliburton with 33 points. Aaron Neesmith, a nice performance with 15. And Chris Duarte, 14 for the Blue and Gold. Really nice win. Kevin, where they got out to a huge lead and were able to hold on. Yeah, they did. Uh, Rick Carlisle took an early timeout. I think it was like an 18-0 run after that. And like you said, kind of holding on for dear life in the second half. Tyrese Halliburton was absolutely outstanding. Here was Rick Carlisle afterwards on the Pacers' all-star point guard. Tyrese is a great player, you know, and uh, a lot of talk right now about all-star and who's going to be in, who's not going to be in. Um you know, he, he's Tyrese Halliburton is our all-star. Um, in less than a year, he's completely changed the trajectory of our franchise. He's completely changed the vibe and the direction of our franchise. And uh, nights like tonight show that, you know, uh, the, the type of great young player that he is. Because, you know, tonight was a night we needed scoring from him. Um, and, you know, in, in the biggest moments, he found a way to, you know, get the ball in the basket or find guys. He, the pass he threw to Miles for, for the N one was, was another huge play down the stretch. So um, he's, he's an amazing young player, an amazing young man, and uh, he's our all-star. I, I get it. There's been 
a lot of talk about, you know, I mean, coming off the Wally Zerbiak comments, the New York Knicks analyst about, you know, he's an all-star wannabe and whatever else. Uh, and he absolutely is an all-star caliber player for a franchise that is thrilled to have one of those again after losing Paul George and Victor Oladipo. But let's also not like be overcompensatory in our praise. Uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful player. You know what I mean? But I get it. He is an all-star player for sure. Uh, Pacers at Miami tomorrow night. Purdue last night, no Zach Eady out uh, due to illness, 74-53 over New Orleans. I think nothing else is good experience for, you know, really a deep front court and, and a Purdue team to get used to playing without Eady if and when foul trouble, which hasn't been there for him this season if and when that arises. Trey Kaufman ran 24 points off the bench. Uh, Caleb first and... Mason Gillis uh, combined for 20 points. So, again, the front court depth showing out there for Purdue. It is their fourth 12-0 start in school history and the first since, what, the Hummel-Moore-Johnson team, 2010. Uh, elsewhere in college basketball last night, it was Valpo over Stonehill, 77-67. Ball State, Michael Lewis's group now 8-4. and They beat Georgia Southern, 58-54. They were down, by the way, I think 14 at one point, came back to win that game. Evansville over Bellarmine, 73-61. Speaking of Evansville, former Evansville head coach Marty Simmons leading Eastern Illinois to the largest upset by point spread. How about that? In terms of the odds makers in college basketball of the last 30 years. 31 and a half points, Eastern Illinois was an underdog to Iowa. Go Panthers. And winning in Carver Hawk Arena. Florida State that I mentioned, 73-72 over Notre Dame. Tonight in college basketball, Indiana State trying to stay unbeaten at home. They host Northern Illinois. It's a 7 o'clock tip. Sycamores are 9-3. and three, And Butler is at Creighton. That is an 8 o'clock tip tonight. It's a brutal start for Thad Mata in the Big East there. Uh, Thursday night football tonight. It is the Jags at the Jets. Again, an important game from an AFC playoff landscape. And if Jacksonville wins, the Colts would be officially eliminated from the playoffs. We've got 11 games on Saturday this week in the NFL, three on Christmas Day, and then the Colts and the Chargers wrap everything up on Monday night football. Um, And if you missed it, it will be Nick Foles starting on Monday night football. Jeff Saturday benched Matt Ryan, and it will be Nick Foles getting his first start. Ironically enough, Nick Foles' last start, December 26th last year with... Your Bears, Mark, and if I'm not mistaken, Nick Foles played pretty well in that game. He did, yeah. Mm -hmm. So 56 career starts for Nick Foles. He'll get his first one here in Indianapolis coming up on Monday Night Football. Uh, Ryan Walters, Purdue Head Football Coach, joins us in 30. Is your favorite Christmas song, Jake? This song, um, yes and no. I, I, I can't be alone in this. As we've talked about over the course of the the week in different periods, you know, to me, Christmas is very nostalgic. I mean, obviously, and even more so nostalgic for periods before I was even around. Like when you see, you know, videos or movies depicting what Christmas was like in the 30s and the 40s and, you know, like a Christmas story, that kind of thing. Um, but the magic of Christmas from my childhood like Kevin, you were talking about with, you know, your daughter getting into that now of counting down the days and, you know, the little piece of candy in the doorway uh, on the wall, like, you know, how many days till Santa comes, etc. Like, there are very few things that 
all of a sudden awaken all of that in me like hearing that song because it so reminds me of as a kid watching the charlie brown special knowing that christmas was that that it was here you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um so it's very melancholic for me to hear it to be honest with you and i maybe that makes me unique i'd be curious if anybody else uh, especially like of my age back when you know when i was a kid and this is still i i think they're all still available but when i was a kid the the charlie brown christmas and then the like claymate or not claymation but the little you know the one of the Abominable Snowman and Rudolph and Frosty the Snowman, all those TV specials that would be on. First, you got like the CBS thing, dun, 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 like special, and you're like, oh, wow, like something different on TV tonight for kids. And they were always sponsored by Dolly Madison. That's the thing I always remember. But I can't be the only one that when I think of that, it instantly takes me back to childhood. I picture myself singing and sounding like that. But but I don't think I do. Like just depressed or you? <laughs> no, just a nice voice like that. I just oh. think it's a nice quiet voice. <clears throat> That's not how I sing. Did you ever ice skate? Uh, sure. Um, I mean, not to the level of like I'm going to the Carmel ice skating like a the, whole lot. But the kid, like, did you ever go like the kids in the Charlie Brown when they're singing that song, like on a pond and ice skate? Like, no, nah, I can't say I did that. Much Art? more team sledding. Yeah. I'm more of a Michelle Kwan. I do the triple <laughs> yeah, Lutzes exactly. and all that stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I Ice skating is something that I have never been able to do at all. Sledding, did you ever have a toboggan? Or did you go with the round circular sled? Yeah, saucer. Yeah, the saucer. Saucer action. Great so ability to spin on that thing. Yeah. And boy, oh, yeah. you get some really strong air, air on You get that. the disc or even the tubes. The tubes get get going these days too we'd sneak onto the private golf course and there's a giant hill and like the 17th hole you guys heard me say it before forest park ninth hole up there in noblesville man sled there 14th hole at brookshire as well we would go a lot um like in college in college i remember you know when i was at iu that we had a couple of times where we got a lot of snow and of course nobody in college had like a saucer with them and it wasn't like we were going to go to walmart and buy one we would use just tear boxes and use the cardboard. Yeah, yeah. Let's go get the liquor boxes yeah. from the store, and we'll <laughs> yeah. just go down the hill. With that Jake would fit right in with the World, Little League World Series with the cardboard yeah. sliding in the outfit. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like one, that one-stop shopping. Right now, I did. Um, I got you guys a couple presents, and I want you to judge my wrapping if you don't mind, because you know we talked about it earlier. Well, I feel in the bad week. now. We didn't. Mark, I didn't get you anything. <laughs> I forgot it's the last day. Yeah, of, I totally forgot. You, you know, wrapping is not my my strong suit, so. Just a second. Let me grab them. Kevin, Kevin is bearing gifts. Yeah. this It's the only Christmas tradition really represented by this show because clearly we don't have three wise men, right? <laughs> no. We only have two. And I don't know if our, our... He really did rap. Yeah, I, I got some myrrh and some frankincense here. Wow, he really did rap yeah. here. Right, that that looks better than anything I now, I will sit now. The, Jake, can you describe the wrapping paper? I feel the, okay. like it's pretty good wrapping. Show it, it on is the YouTube. good wrapping paper. This It has a station wagon on it with kind of an old school wagon. With the gifts and the tree on top, maybe flash it on the YouTube stream. The wrapping, the wrapping is good. Uh, did you wrap it? Uh, I, I did. The one um, thing here's the thing about the wrapping that I like. Uh huh. What you got me here, whatever it is, is a square. Okay. Um, well, you, I hope the the square that that this would be like Iowa. But you use the paper for Texas, right? Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, that's a good visual for our audience out there to judge it from a geographic standpoint. But, um, yeah. Oh, look at this, buddy. 
Look at this. Hell yeah. You like that? That is sweet, baby. Old school, hold tiger, Clemson sweatshirt. This is nice, man. Like super nice. Am I good on the size? Let me see here. Yeah, XL. Yeah, you are. Good? I used to be a large, but I've put on some weight. I figure you could rock that for the Orange Bowl. Hell yeah. This is going right in the man cave, Kevin. Thank you very much. Now, this one was a little bit cheesier, Mark. I must admit. You know, it's kind of a... The bottle opener and the picture of Buckus. Buckus, Walter Payton, and Duck Coach... And it's a bottle opener. That's awesome. Nice. That's so cool. you know, I mentioned I was over at Circle Center, you know, wrapping up some some shopping. I went into one of those memorabilia stores, and I saw that for Mark. And I'm thinking, you know what? Old school Bears picture. Love it. Go with the bottle opener. This is sweet, man. They do. They do. Bears usually tend for me to drink. So yeah, I, it's I figured the, it was uh, you know one and the same. Two birds of one stone yeah. situation. Very there. Now will Ashley be content with that if that goes oh, yeah. up on the wall? Oh yeah. Okay. She will. I was I was a little nervous about that. Worst case, she'll send it to the, the man cave in the garage, so which is fine. Mark, were you good at the wrapping? Very good. Yes, you did a great yeah. job. It's very nice quality. Actually, like, this is not, this is good paper. Quality. Yeah, you know my efficiency with paper? the wrapping paper is what I struggle with. The paper's to, solid. To Jake's point, yeah. The, Looks like you only use three pieces of tape or so, which is usually oh, what dude, they say. I, <laughs> the landmass of Texas for a Iowa-sized present was a really good way to describe it there. <laughs> That's yeah, but I, I'm the same way, man. Like, I, so, now, do you ever do in the wrapping? Where I'm you, usually team bag, to be fair, but we don't have many bags. Do you ever come up short? Like you're you 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 put the bat the gift down and you're cutting it, and then you're like, oh wait a minute, I didn't cut a big enough. Yeah, piece. so we now got, you got to go with the random strip to put it on top, and yeah, so we got Rosie like a little um like plastic microphone to act like she's singing into. Oh yeah, and so I wrap that, and I mean, just there's nothing on the side. So I think I took some scraps from either yours or Mark, and I'm like taping those together. I mean, it looks like the worst geometry project in the history of geometry projects. I was actually hoping that your YouTube stream wants to see it. There you go. After algebra, that you camera on your YouTube stream. That is pretty sweet. It tanks the stream quality. So there you go. Oh, there's Dicka. Okay. Yeah. That is. So yeah, Dicka, Buckus, and uh, is there was there one more on the side or is it Peyton? Peyton. Peyton. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, the the rosy present that I wrapped just pure geometry project. I mean, it looks just heinous. <laughs> but I mean, she's two and a half. She's not going to care. Yeah, you don't know that, right? Rip it apart. Uh, by the way, Ryan said it best. Jake, you're correct. That song takes me back to the feel of the carpet in our living room waiting for Christmas. That's a good way to say. Yeah, it. Greg uh, sent me a note. My wife plays the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack while we decorate the tree every year. That music is Christmas to her. It does have a feel of like, at least for me, I'm at grandma's house and yeah, socks are off, my feet's on the carpet, yeah, all that. All that. David, man, there was a pressure for your parents to make sure you were home the one night of the year that Rudolph the Charlie Brown Christmas or my favorite, Year Without a Santa Claus was on. There was no DVR, no VCR tapes, no YouTube. That was pressure. That's true, man. I mean, those were special times for certain. I do like Christmas. Now, was there a particular tradition when you were a kid that Santa Claus brought in your stocking? Uh, stocking, we usually wore like a popular Reese's, Reese's Christmas tree. I would say the popular tradition for us probably started, so the Friday after Thanksgiving, my mom would give us a new ornament each year, uh-huh. and my brother subscribed to the 
um, NBA ornaments. I was the NFL ornaments. Okay. So we got a new player each and every year. I was also baseball as well at the NFL. So at one point, we had a section on the tree for all the steroid users. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. We had Giambi. We had Bonds. Needless to say, that's where the needles were in the tree, right? Very, very well put. Yeah. Um, so that, I think, is like kind of a... Not necessarily Christmas, but obviously, uh, you know, from a decorating tree standpoint, that was a post-Thanksgiving tradition that I always was like, okay, I can't wait to see who the new player is, and this kind of starts the Christmas season for us. The um, There were little metal tins of, like, orange and lemon-flavored candies, I forget what they were called, but that was always in the stocking, and then we would always get pajamas on Christmas Eve. There were always three packages. That, annually? That, annually. Wow. And then in adulthood, it was like basketball shorts or you know sweatpants or something like that. Still to this day, actually. Um, and then, as I mentioned, any time that you get the unmentionables, which is boxer shorts or socks, uh, those are from the family pet. Yeah, you didn't mention that. <laughs> they go to the pet store. I like that. And they shop. We always yep. got some scratch-offs in the... Yeah, yeah, I could see that. In the stocking as well. I'm always thankful that I'm usually behind the guy in line that is trading in all of the scratch-offs to see what exactly, and he's got 140 of them, while I'm just trying to buy a Coke. That that happens to me typically annually. Can't, can't you just scan them nowadays? You know, isn't I know. Oh, you got the people. If the guy in front of you in line breaks out the little sleeve with the tickets in it, it's like, oh, boy. <laughs> Grab a book. Yeah. Can we open the next register? Yeah, grab a book. Uh, Ryan Walters, Purdue head football coach, joins us in 15. Ryan Walters in 10 minutes. Kevin, I want to, on behalf of you and Mark, I will speak for both of you, wish the happiest of holidays and Merry Christmas, not only to everybody listening, but, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correct, it's either the Rybers or the Reavers. I think it's the Reavers, but that would include Amy, Caroline, Spencer, and Claire, and Tom as well. Uh, they sent their christmas card to us oh nice and amy wrote on it really good looking family and it, can we see it yeah uh here, here's the there's the reavers right here oh nice and christmas then on the card. back amy wrote her own edition kind of going out on a limb here guys but i listen every day and you guys feel like friends to me i appreciate the seat at your table each morning enjoy your holidays from amy uh, I love that. Really good looking family, including a couple of furry friends. Slide that so, over. So, Merry Christmas to the Rivers Reavers. Amy Thomas, Clara, Christine, the Great whole looking bunch. Good love looking that. Family. Merry Christmas. So, very to cool. To them. Oh, I like it. It's a nice detailed card here on, totally. what, on what all happened last year. Broken elbow for Claire. Hope she's doing better. I, I do hope Claire's doing better with the broken elbow. What? Catherine did something too, right? 800 meter. Um,. Yeah, cutting her hand after making avocado toast. Wow. Okay. She had surgery to repair two nerves. I don't know if we should be spilling ouch. all the beans, though. Yeah. Well, should we be? The, it's on the card. I, uh, yeah. But, I mean, maybe they only send it to people that they want to. True. The True. dangers of avocado toast. Oh, wow. Spencer works at Shake Shack? Oh, boy. I might need to hit up Spencer. Really? Yeah. Which one? Does it say? We should stop in and say hi to Spencer. Now, Shake Shack Steak and Shake. Ooh. Ooh, I would say. Better. I mean, I'm sure it's a slap in the face to the Shake Shackers out there. Steak and Shake. When I was, I mean, it was such an integral part of my childhood and high school years. Oh, 71st and Benford. Man, all the, day one long. In, the one in Nora, right next to North Central. Like, I mean, all the my, all the time. Now we got banned for life when I was in high school. 
uh, from the steak and chicken Nora, but later found out that was a hollow threat from the manager. Chris Farkas got unruly one night. No, Farkas. Of course. Farkas. No shot <laughs> there. Farkas. Could have told you that one. Trust me. Trust me. Anybody listening for the north side of Indianapolis in that era goes, yeah, you're right. No, no shock, shock there. there. Yep. Dumped a milkshake on his head, if I remember right. correctly. Uh, Nick Foles is going to be getting the start on Monday Night Football against... It's going to be Justin Herbert against Nick Foles. Kevin, are you surprised by the news yesterday? Uh, I am not. I think I kind of hinted at it earlier in the week that this is something that I thought was in the works. Um and again, from a financial sense, I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh my gosh, what if Nick Foles leads the Colts to multiple wins? First off, I'm not expecting Nick Foles to come in here and do anything of substance, serious substance. Yesterday was his first practice with the starting group all year. You know, Michael Pittman, you know, Paris Campbell, those guys he hasn't thrown to much, if at all, even dating back to training camp. Um, but I think it's the financial element of, again, if Matt Ryan were to get hurt, um, you could have owed him another $17 million. $17 million is a huge amount when you're looking at how you could divide that up in free agency. If you wanted to give it to one player, if you wanted to give it to multiple players, and I get it, insert your free agency jokes right here, and, well, the Colts never spend in free agency, but you have to shift your your line of thinking. You, you, you just have to. you got to do it with quarterback, and you got to do it with March free agency. And the fact that, the culture in a position where they they have decent cap space for next year. I think it's just less than thirty million, but that you're still not taking away seventeen more from that. I think is huge in making sure that Matt Ryan does not get back on the field uh, this season. You know something I brought up to Joel Erickson a little bit earlier, Jake. The arm velocity, the arm strength, that's obvious to me. Like Matt Ryan was having major issues there. What I have been particularly stunned by with Ryan this season. Is you have not gotten the gotten the fifteen year, thirty seven year old mental processor chess match. I'm going to win at the line of scrimmage like you got with Philip Rivers. How many free rushers yeah. for the Colts this year? Right in Ryan's face, the inability to properly identify pre snap and take advantage of that post snap has been such an issue. I'm curious to see if Nick Foles, who obviously has a ton of experience as well can get a handle on that. Let me read you this tweet from Christy. You give me your reaction, Kevin. Quentin Nelson is not a Pro Bowl player this year. His selection is a joke and unfair to other offensive linemen who might have earned it. Your thoughts? Christy, I, I know part of it might be my job, but if I knew every offensive guard around the AFC and how effective they were this season, I probably wouldn't be married. Um, so I can't say for sure. I, I'll just say this. Nelson has taken a regression this season. Um, do I think he's played at some awful level no um do i feel like he's pro bowl worthy i guess probably not when you're four nine and one and your offensive line has given up the amount of sacks that they have but this is part of the flawed system in the pro bowl right it's name recognition he's made it each of his first four years of his career so if you are a fan of the seattle seahawks and you're voting for offensive guards in the afc you're like oh yeah there's quentin nelson didn't he pancake that one guy on social media one time i'm gonna right. vote for him i mean yeah there's plenty of times you're i've I filled up pro bowl rosters before and you're like Pick four. You're like, I don't know. And you're just like, oh, yeah, I know that guy's name. Yeah. Well, you know his name, too, because he he was a lineman that came out of Notre Dame and was a top five right. pick. You know, the her point, I, I understand her point, absolutely. Your your explanation there, also fair. Um, the question is, it was what, so fan voting was one-third, and then his coaching and players were one-third each there. So does that mean that Quentin Nelson also got his fair share of player and coaching voting as yes, well? Yes, which I think is twofold, Mark. Again, players... 
I've often seen them vote for this, and it can be a popularity contest with that. I mean, again, if you play for the Seahawks, you don't know what type of season Quentin Nelson's necessarily had. So you're going to vote for name recognition to Jake's point, top 10 pick, been there, done that. So it's a flawed process. I think we all can agree on that. Coming up next, Ryan Walters, the head football coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. They just wrapped up signing day. Busy with bowl prep for Walters, probably a little bit more signing day, assembling a coaching staff, transfer portal, all that good stuff. We will chat with Coach Ryan Walters next here on Kevin Corey. Boy, you talk about prompt. Head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers, Ryan Walters, fresh off his first, I don't even know if you really call it his first national signing day, but nonetheless, Purdue signed some guys yesterday, and he was on it. 8.58, 8.58, rolled around, Ryan Walters giving us a call, and we hear from the head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers for the first time here on Kevin and Query. Coach Walters, congratulations, and thanks for the time. Well, thank you so much, man. I'm happy to be here. I want to begin with this, Coach. Uh, you know, obviously, congratulations on landing the position at Purdue. Purdue did, you know, they clearly they honed in on you very early because it was a quick transition once the coaching vacancy happened. But for you personally, getting the opportunity now in terms of the head coaching position for the first time, you know, you've been at Illinois, you've been at Missouri, you've been at North Texas, Oklahoma, Arizona, a number of places. But how advantageous is it for you for your first head coaching opportunity to be in a league where you already were and have familiarity? And was that something that you kind of targeted in on when exploring your first options as a head coach? Yeah, you know, I felt extremely blessed. I mean, this is this is incredible, right? Like you said, I got um, familiarity within the conference, especially on this side of it. Um, and then it just kind of happened, like you said, really, really quickly. So um, I knew I had to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, you know, you talk about a team that has just played in the, the Big Ten Championship. Uh, so it's not a rebuild. You know, we're trying to raise the standard and elevate the program. Um, and so for for my first time, my first opportunity, I feel extremely blessed. You know, there's alignment within the, the president, the AD, the athletic department. Um, and, and you know, the, the city of West Lafayette is just an awesome place. So, you know, I feel like a, a 16-year-old that got the keys to the Lamborghini. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> Um, I'm extremely blessed, extremely humbled, and, and you know we're, we're diving in and getting to work right now. He is Ryan Walters, the new head football coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. Coach, how would you describe your on-field coaching style? You know, I'm poised, uh, even keel, uh, competitive, uh, but you know, you're always gathering information on the field, um, especially game days, uh, so you can't be too high, too low. Um, you know, let the, let the kids go play, have fun, and, and try to give them as much tools as possible to have success. You know, I remember when this process first developed and Jeff Brown took the job in Louisville, and, and you're obviously thinking, okay, what, what does Purdue need to be looking for? In Purdue history, you think about quarterbacks, you think about the offensive, um, you know, really entertaining product that Purdue's had for several decades. And when I saw you were hired, that was one of my first questions. I'm thinking, oh boy, defensive minded coaches, and, and I was totally wrong on this, can be, can be a little bit archaic in a way in how they think about it. And then all of a sudden, I listened to your press conference, and you had an unbelievable grasp, and maybe it's your quarterback background of like, no, 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 I know what wins offensively in today's college football and what we need. The hire of Graham Harrell, coming from that Mike Leach coaching tree, I think follows it. Um, Purdue fans should expect very similar offensive uh, philosophy to what they're used to, correct? Absolutely. You know, it's 
again, like you, you, there's that misnomer, right? And 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 you know, to, to everybody's credit, um, you know, in the past, head, defensive head coaches have wanted to play the game a certain way. Uh, but I think about the game from a quarterback's perspective. Um, I understand that that's the most important position in sports. Period. And so our defense are trying to affect them, and offensively, we're trying to let him thrive. Uh, so it was important for me to hire a guy like Graham Harrell uh, that would attract quarterbacks, would attract offensive uh, skilled players. Um, you know, because I'm, you know, I want I want to win games by a lot. I don't want to win games nine to six. That's not that's not fun, right? So, um, you know, I think hiring Graham has been awesome, and, and we have had a lot of interest from some high, you know, profile quarterbacks, and hopefully we'll get one here soon. Did you? I know that you were, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, Coach Ryan Walters, the new Purdue head football coach, is our guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline. I know that you were at North Texas, I think, as a position coach around the same time that I believe Graham Harrell came there uh, as an offensive coach. Did you guys cross paths, or is this the first time that you will actually have worked in the same building together? Yeah, well, I, was, I missed Graham by a couple of years at, uh, at North Texas. Uh, but, you know, I played against him in college, and we have uh, friends in the same circles that we just never had crossed paths. So I had known about Graham. I um, had, had admired his sort of uh, early rise uh, to, su- to success. You know, we, we think alike. We think about the game alike. Um, and he's a great dude, and, and we, I can't wait to work with him. You know, you entered college at the University of Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, coach, as an offensive player. And then over the yep. over the course of your time as a Buffalo, you transitioned to a defensive player. So you you know, you took advantage of an opportunity perhaps that was laid out for you. How did that, you know, going in and having to play a position that was different than what you originally thought, having to have maybe the humility to know what was best for the team versus what you anticipated for yourself? How has that molded you as a coach and a connection to young people? Yeah, you know, so obviously I grew up playing quarterback. Um, when I got there, there was like a 26-year-old junior named Joel Klatt who was <laughs> who was uh, playing quarterback. And, you know, I knew that in order for me to play, that I needed to switch positions right away, right? So um, I thought of myself as a football player first. Um, I thought I could play multiple positions. And I just wanted to do what I what I could to help the team. And so I approached, you know, Coach Barnett and, and – you know, brought up the idea. We tried it for a couple of weeks, and um, you know, the rest is, is history there. So, um, what, it, what it did teach me to, you know, just get put my head down and go to work in difficult times. And change can be difficult, not because it's good or bad, just because it's different, right? So, um, that's that's taught me how to connect and. I help help guys through adverse moments as well. He is Ryan Walters. He's the head football coach of the Purdue Boilermakers. He joins us here on Kevin and Quarry. Coach, what's been the craziest thing that's come across your desk in the last week that you thought, oh, wow, I now have to deal with this as the head coach? You know, it's, there's a, I can't, I mean, there's a multiple, multiple times. Um, you know, I haven't really sat down and thought about the football. You know, it's been all off the field stuff. Um, you know, luckily for me, um, the AD, uh, Mike Babinski, and the, the deputy AD, Tiffany Grimes, have been awesome um, in terms of uh, letting me know where things, where holes are in the program and, and what we can do to uh, to fix those. Um, and, and we're hitting the ground running and, and attacking those issues right now. Obviously, one of the first items I think a lot of Purdue fans notice when you were hired is your age. Um, 36 years old. 
Uh, pros, cons, how do you view yourself as one of the youngest head coaches in college football? Advantages and maybe you know some question marks that are there. Yeah, you know, so for me, I think one of the one of the reasons that uh, Purdue felt comfortable and, and believed in uh, me as a first-time head coach is because, you know, with today's landscape, you know, everybody is experiencing this for the first time. Um, you know, so if I'm if I'm a head coach and I've been doing this for 20 years, you know, that's, that could be difficult to change with the times. You know, just like any company, when policy gets changed, but you've been there for 20 years, that change can be difficult, and you can you can fight that change. Where, as I'm coming in at the forefront of this deal, like I'm embracing this opportunity. Like you talk about NIL, you talk about transfer portal, and I'm not I'm not afraid of those changes. I'm I'm looking at those as opportunities. So I think that from that aspect, like I'm probably the best guy for the job. Um, it's not not my lack of experience that's a that's a detriment to me. That's a benefit because of the changing times. You know the transfer portal to me coach ryan walters is our guest the transfer portal to me is fascinating because it's a relatively new phenomenon that gets bigger each year as a coach is the transfer portal do you look at the transfer portal as an avenue in which you can accentuate your roster or is the transfer portal more important in terms of making sure that you don't have guys entering it like which in other words the transfer portal do you see it as an entry or an exit you know, I think it's both, right? Um, you know, there are, you know, f- from a player's perspective, it, it it gives you freedom because you know maybe maybe this isn't the right place. You know, if you like to, you got to figure out for yourself like where can I go play, uh, where where can I thrive in an environment, and then from a, a coach's perspective, it's yeah, it's okay. We're we're short on numbers in this class at this position. Now we can go to the transfer portal and, and find somebody that's with experience. And we can get a, a more accurate evaluation than we can maybe a high school guy. Can Ryan Walt? Sorry, Coach. Yeah. Also, I think it's beneficial for both sides. He's Ryan Walters, head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers, and he's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. It's a week, I think a week from Monday, uh, the bowl game for Purdue down in the Citrus Bowl. On that staff will be Drew Brees. Uh, what was your reaction when you heard that um, you know, arguably the best player in program history wanted to come back and help you guys out during a time where your team's got, you know, kind of a skeleton coaching staff for the bowl game. Yeah, I was ecstatic, dude. I mean, you know, I grew up, like I said, I grew up playing quarterback. And uh, when, when Drew was, when I was in high school, Drew was in college. Um, it's, it's funny because I was actually back home in, in Los Angeles um, during the winter break. Um, went to Disneyland with, with my family, and, and Drew is is doing a parade there for the Rose Bowl, and I'm like, dude, that's Drew Brees, you know, <laughs> <laughs> come full circle, and now he's on the staff, and you talk about an unbelievable guy. Uh, he is always on, you know, passionate about the program, um, just his personality, his his energy. It's, it's no secret why he's had this the amount of success he's had. Are you pretty happy with the cupboard that Jeff Brom left behind? I am like there's you know Jeff he had a lot of and I appreciate his leadership and the success that he he has had there um you know I've been able to go out and watch practice and you know I mean sure like, like, there's a reason why they they played in the Big Ten championship this year is he look I think everybody understands coach why Jeff Brom left right it's no indictment on Purdue I mean home is home and it's I, I think he said it very well Purdue will always be home but Louisville is a way of life for me. So clearly it was a good relationship, seemingly, between the two when he left. 
has he left any sort of have you had any conversation with him or is he you know he's not in conference so could you le- could you reach out to him and say hey you know tell me about this guy or that guy or how does that work in coaching relationships yeah i mean you know obviously i think both of us are, are really really busy right now when, you, when you're walking into the building um, but I, I do definitely want to reach out to him just to not not necessarily talk about the roster but but just talk about the lay of the land and um, you know what what he thought were were some of the reasons why they had success here coach where do you think um nil wise purdue is at within the big 10 uh, i think it's competitive you know like i said uh, you know mike and, and tiffany they're they're rock stars and uh, they understand what what the landscape is now and and you know what what kind of resources we're going to need to to be competitive in this conference when you go into recruits home um how quickly is nil brought up not nearly as quickly as you probably might think. Uh, sometimes not at all. You know, um, you know, th- there have been talks with transfer portal guys. Um, you know that are that are being offered by other programs, and and so you just got to you know you got to got to adapt and adjust to it. But um, it doesn't get brought up nearly as much as you think. By definition, coach. A boilermaker, and I'm going with Wikipedia, which we know is all-knowing. Oh, a boilermaker is a trade person who fabricates steel, iron, or copper iron into boilers and other large containers intended to hold gas as a liquid. As a football coach, when you look at your football program and a kid comes in, if he wants to play at Purdue, what is the Ryan Walters definition of a boilermaker? You know, someone that loves the game of football. Um, that that is uh, has selfless and has no ego, um, and willing to do whatever it takes for the team, um, and someone that puts their head down and, and goes to work. I think it's well known of your relationship, Coach. At least as a youngster, uh, you know a lot's been made of this, and sometimes we hear these things, and then you ask the person, and they go, "Yeah, it's kind of been blown out bigger." Uh, what is your relationship? Certainly, when you were young, you were your babysitter was Eric Bieniemy, right? I mean, does that mean like one time he watched you, or like you had a regular familial relationship with him? No, we had a regular relationship. You know, he, he and my dad played together. Um, you know, so I, I was, he was around all the time. Um, you know, we we don't see each other as much now, just with the schedules. Uh, but we do keep in contact. Um, you know, I'll, I'll send him a text after a game. He'll, he'll do the same. Um, you know, always bouncing ideas off each other. Um, there were a couple times we almost worked on the same staff. So um, definitely, definitely uh, have a lot of respect for him and, and the way he's gone about this, his business. And um, and it was it was fun to be around him. You know, as a as a youngster. You know, it's interesting with him, coach, because he you know he's one of the most respected assistant coaches in the National Football League and his name for years he's almost become the poster child of guys that for whatever reason have never made the final step into becoming a head coach in the NFL despite theoretically interest in him doing so what do you believe is the reason that Eric Bieniemy has not gotten that chance um you know I don't I don't know um I know that that he's also been really selective like he's he's got a great job right now you know being an offense coordinator with Patrick Mahomes is your, yeah. is your quarterback. Pretty good gig, right? Um, yeah, and then he's got definitely he's got uh, familiarity and a comfort level with Andy Reid, right? So um, I know some jobs that he he has been um, mentioned for he he hasn't been interested in, you know. Um, and, but I also know that there are other jobs that he was and, and he didn't get. Um, and for whatever reason, I, I don't know. I'm not sitting in the interview 
um, you know, I'm not the I'm not the owners, um, but I, I definitely think that he he is deserving. I think his uh, track record and resume speaks for itself, and you know, his relationship with players uh, speaks for themselves as well. The defensive resume is wildly impressive, and I think the offensive comments you hear from Ryan Walters, you got to like if you're a Purdue fan, considering what that program is known for over the years. Uh, Coach, I know it's been probably beyond a whirlwind this past week. Congrats. Um, Good luck here wrapping up signing day into the transfer portal. I know you aren't directly involved with coaching in the bowl game, but um, I know it's a big time to celebrate those guys on your roster as they close out this season. And uh, Thank you very much for the time this morning. Hope to have you on here a couple more times before the start of next year. Thanks, guys, for having me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That is Coach Ryan Walters right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, Jake, it was a concern of mine when he was hired about, again, there's a stereotype with defensive coaches of just they don't maybe want to be uber, uber aggressive offensively and they want to play the low scoring game and, you know, it's slug out these possessions and four yards in a cloud of dust. Uh, his quarterback background probably helps in that case. He doesn't sound like that at all. I think he gets what is needed offensively to attract recruits, entertain your fan base, and ultimately try and win at the highest level. Yeah, I, you know, I love the hire of Graham Harrell as the offensive coordinator because I, I think that a lot of coaches come in and they say like, hey, you know, the, this is my area of strength, but I can also do this, you know, that kind of thing. To be able to just say, look, I'm going to go out and get a guy that – and Graham Harrell is a guy that threw the ball all over the field for Mike Leach when he was at Texas Tech and has had numerous stops now in terms of his ascent as well as an offensive mind. So the thought of two younger guys like that that are they're kind of leading Purdue, one of them the defensive minded guy and then a young guy that's the a younger guy that's helping out offensively. I mean, I think that that's the kind of thing that becomes very energetic and intriguing for recruits in particular. You know, I asked him that, and I agree wholeheartedly with that. I asked him kind of the pro-con look at himself as a 36-year-old head coach. Um, I kind of felt like, okay, should Purdue go a little bit older with this hire? And the thought process there would be, you're getting a guy that looks at this job as, this is kind of the final stop. They're not going to jump at some other opportunity after a couple of eight or nine win seasons. Right. The pro to hiring a guy like Walters is, while he has really no direct ties to West Lafayette, and he very well, if he is truly kind of an up-and-coming coach and he has great success, maybe this will just be a stepping stone job for him. The fact that this new age of college football is so foreign to just about everybody, his youth his first-time head coaching experience, his energy level, you would think gives him a little bit of a leg up or just a little bit more open-minded, I think, to accepting the reality of what college football is at versus a guy that's been doing this for 25 years and is like, this is stupid. This is not how it was when I entered it. I'm not going to maybe work as hard uh, to do the things that are necessary to compete at the highest level in college football. If you look at his, his journey, Ryan Walters, Born in Los Angeles, played at Colorado, coached at Arizona, coached at Oklahoma, coached at North Texas, coached at Memphis, coached at Missouri, coached at Illinois. Like, and all of those were each step of the way, the next step up. I mean, students, you know, uh, 
graduate assistant, defensive back coach, defensive coordinator, kind of up along the lines. But theoretically, what I like about that is you've got ingredients from all kinds of different programs to be able to bring in and and put your own touch on to bring to Purdue and a, you know a number of different coaches that he's worked on. It's not just one system, you know what I mean? And again, I think when you read off that resume, Jake, I see you're exposed to a whole lot of conferences in college football, and I think there's a stereotype, and I think it's relatively accurate. Conferences play much different styles. Big 12 is... You know, kind of the high-powered, and we just score, 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 don't play a lot of defense. Um, he's been in the Big Ten, great def- great defense there. At Illinois, again, it's it's absurd, the numbers, and how they rose in the defensive rankings under his lead there when Brett Be- Bielema hired him. And then he also was in the SEC. I think we forget that Missouri is in the SEC. So, you know, he, he did get exposure there to the best conference in college football. So, um, again, a busy time of year for him, wrapping up signing day. And it will be Monday, January 2nd, Purdue-LSU in that bowl game. I saw one of their better defenders opted out yesterday. Purdue is going to have a very different-looking roster in their bowl game. Very I mean, different. That's the tough part, right? You know, um, Does Clemson have some opt-outs? Oh, yeah. Probably some of those defensive linemen. Yeah, and... Um, Notre Dame's got two receivers. I mean, Clemson's guy that started for them at quarterback all year is transferring. So, Colorado, by the way, which is where Ryan Walters played, Colorado for a while there, a little bit prior to when he was there under Gary Barnett, but when, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, man, Colorado was, it was the it sexy college football school. You know, that you got the Buffalo running out on the field, cool, I mean, cool helmets and uniforms, beautiful stadium with the mountains in the background, and, you know, the, the Cordell Stewart pass at Michigan in 94, the national championship game. I mean, it was the it program. Does Deion Sanders bring him back there, Kevin? Boy, I think he brings him close. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to win. Weren't they terrible this past season? Horrible. Yeah. So you got a long way to go from consistently winning at that level. But um, I totally understand why Colorado would, you know, make such an outside of the box hire there because you got to do something to ignite ignite your program. So I think kudos to them for taking a chance on that. Um, sure, there's a, some volatility, I think, with it, but it's not like you were going anywhere with how you're currently operating. Uh, this just in from the NFL. NFL Sunday ticket. Very popular viewing experience for a lot of people. Starting in 2023, will now be on YouTube TV. Now that was formerly on what? DirecTV. DirecTV, right? Mm-hmm. So you would think that would increase YouTube TV's price quite a bit. I think it's like going to be a considered premium channel or whatever, so you gotta, can subscribe gotta, gotta. to it, so it's so, not going to be an add. An additional purchase? Okay. Right, and I think from what I've read, the price on YouTube TV will be similar to what it was on DirecTV, whereas what Amazon wanted to do, or Apple I should say, is if they acquired it, they wanted to reduce the price, and the NFL said, no, 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 let's leave the price where it is. So, that's how YouTube TV came into the fold. Now, does this mean... Bars around America will be having to purchase an additional 
that have to, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to, right? Better have some quality internet, too. That's a good point. It's a good point from a streaming. It's a lot of streaming doing going. A lot of streaming. Like Thirty televisions, <laughs> right? In places that you know probably don't think or you know put tons of resources into Wi-Fi. So yeah, that is a good point. So Direct TV to YouTube television that's effective this upcoming yeah twenty twenty three. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let's begin our morning checkdown with the game on Amazon tonight. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Guys, no show for us tomorrow. If we were to be in studio doing a show, would the Colts be officially eliminated from the playoffs? If Jacksonville wins tonight, that's the case, right? Correct. You're going with the Jags. Two-point underdog in MetLife. What is the weather supposed to be? I would assume relatively calm, right? Considering we're kind of we're going to get the brunt of it. I guess you're right. right I mean, now. I don't know how much New York is supposed to get. Yeah, I'd New, assume New York's going to get what we kind of got. Right, they get it the next day. I guess you're right. Yeah, um, the Jags are playing really well, but you know that Jets defense is good, and the Jets just Zach Wilson is he back now as the starter? Mm-hmm. He's the starter. Yep. I'm rolling with the Jaguars. I'll I don't take think, the I'll take the Jets. I like the Jets defense, but I think. Is that Jaguars. fireman fella still there? Didn't he like Ed? Get, fireman Ed? Yeah, he yeah, didn't. But I thought he got mad at one point and and well, they all come yeah, back. A, <laughs> did he have a Chuck E. Cheese experience, or am I imagining things? A Chuck E. Cheese experience? Yeah. What does that mean? Just don't think it was great for Ed off the field. <laughs> okay. Never thought I'd be googling fireman Ed and Chuck E. Well, Cheese. I didn't say you had to Google it, Mark. Jeez. <laughs> well, I need to see now. I'm apparently really that curious. might not be. Google worthy, Mark. Uh, one of the best New wins company. of the Pacers season last night 117 112 over the Boston Celtics. Tyrese Halliburton was absolutely outstanding. I thought Aaron Neesmith, Chris Duarte were really big as well. The Pacers got out to a 28 point halftime lead 71 43. Boy, that second half was just. It's going to be like how people are going to be driving home tonight. 10-2, and two, holding on for dear life. They did get the car eventually into the garage. They beat the Celtics and now are 16-16 and 16 on the year. Here was Rick Carlisle afterwards on his all-star point guard. Tyree's a great player, you know, and uh, a lot of talk right now about all-star and who's going to be in, who's not going to be in. Um, you know, he, he's Tyrese Halliburton is our all-star Um in less than a year, he's completely changed the trajectory of our franchise. He's completely changed the vibe and the direction of our franchise. And uh, nights like tonight show that, you know, uh, the, the type of great young player that he is. Because, you know, tonight was a night we needed scoring from him. Um, and, you know, in, in the biggest moments, he found a way to, you know, get the ball in the basket or find guys. He, the pass he threw to Miles for for the and one was, was another huge play down the stretch. So um, he's, he's an amazing young player, an amazing young man, and uh, he's our all-star. Jake, we've said it all morning long. His ability to facilitate and quarterback everything is for one, but his ability to score. I mean, he's giving you 20 points and 10 assists night in, night out. Cannot take that for granted whatsoever. By the way, rain mid-40s at MetLife tonight. Uh, college basketball last night. Valpo over Stonehill, 77-67. Ball State, Michael Lewis's group now 8-4. and four. They were down 14. Chirp, chirp. 
came back and won over Georgia Southern, 58-54. Evansville and Florida State also getting wins. Florida State beating Notre Dame, 73-72. The Irish now 0-2 in the ACC. And number one in the land, the Purdue Boilermakers. Did not have Zach Eady. He was out with illness, but they win by 21 over New Orleans, 74-53. Trey Kaufman-Wren with 24 points. Mason Gillis had 11. Tonight, it will be Northern Illinois and Indiana State. Sycamore's trying to snap uh, a two-game losing streak, but they are 5-0 at home. They stand at 9-3 overall. Creighton and Butler, that's an 8 o'clock tip. Butler in Creighton as Creighton comes in with a six-game losing streak. They had won six straight to start the year. Yeah, one more additional college basketball note. Xavier Johnson, foot surgery yesterday for a broken foot. Indiana says they are hopeful he will return this season, but certainly expected to miss a good chunk of the Big Ten. Um, Looking at the Colts, they had their first practice of the week yesterday. Uh, Nick Foles is going to be the starter. He got his first work in with the starting group that he has had all season long. Mark, if you don't mind queuing up that Jeff Saturday clip on why the Colts made the move. Matt Ryan benched for a second time this season. No Sam Ellinger. It'll be Nick Foles on Monday night. Yeah, it just didn't feel like we made enough plays offensively. You know, we, um, I mean, you know, it's no secret. We, we haven't converted in the red zone. We, you know, and, and ultimately you got to make plays in the NFL. And we're not making nearly enough explosive plays and, um, you know, not making plays in the red zone. And, again, I've said this before, this is not all on Matt, right? I mean, this is, uh, this is us entirely on an offensive perspective and, um, but that you know, ultimately that leads into it, you know, and so I feel like Nick will give us a, a better chance to go win these last three games, and that's why we're headed that way. What was it you said earlier, Kevin? We were talking about the Colts. Don't try making sense of any of it. Is that what you said? Do yeah, know trying about, to make. What was the exact vernacular that Kevin said, used? Trying to make sense of it is a can't bit make sense of it. You can't make sense of anything. Well, I go back to the Nick Foles quote yesterday. I, I thought it was such a great quote. I don't know if Foles meant it like it like it looks but uh, especially here you never know what's going to happen each week I mean well when you've played for six NFL franchises that's quite the comment about <laughs> the Colts you know it is especially here he said I don't know Jake maybe the football gods say Colts you deserve this you had quarterback stability that franchises dream of it's hard, hard to argue that for man. decades here you go. Uh, on the Pro Bowl front, talk about something that maybe not a lot of fans, if any, care about. Quentin Nelson, his fifth straight Pro Bowl. He is the first player in Colts history to be a Pro Bowler in each of his first five seasons. The Colts had five alternates. Jonathan Taylor, DeForest Buckner, Yannick Ngakwe, Zaire Franklin, Stephon Gilmore. I thought Grover Stewart was the biggest snub of all. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles with Eight Pro Bowlers that led the NFL and Mark's Bears and the Jags, the old goose egg on the Pro Bowl front. We got Roquan Smith, who was technically on the team for a little bit this year. That kind of counts. <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah. Right? Khalil Mack, we traded him. He's still Pro Bowl. We got two two in uh, in my eyes. I'm a little surprised Jacksonville didn't get one. I mean, at least one in. Like, right. In I mean, they're six and four. eight. Yeah. yeah. Indy natives, Terry McLaurin, Zach Martin. Um, Zach Martin well on his way to a Hall of Fame career uh, in the Pro Bowl. All right, it's time for Pop Quiz. I guess it's a freebie Friday, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last show of the week, sure. Scotty, what are we looking at here? Uh, about a seven. Oh. A seven on a one to ten scale. I what would was yesterday's then? Tend to think that would mean rel- pretty difficult, honestly. So 317-239-1070. It's Pop Quiz time here on Kevin and Corey. 
Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. You know, it's not a bad-looking morning outside. I mean, it's not sunny, but it's it's mild still, right? We're back to the gray, though. You're right about that. Had a little bit of sun earlier in the week. Again, sounds like late this afternoon, early evening. Unfortunately, sounds like right around rush hour time. Uh, that's when the weather will enter the state, uh, or enter, I should say, probably the listening audience here in central Indiana. Um, safe travels, everybody. I know it's going to be chaotic and... Probably our first like real like dicey icy snowfall of the year, and we all know how we react in that as drivers. So safe, safe travels to wherever you are going, whether it's a commute home or commute to see family and friends tonight and the rest of this week and this weekend. If you got to go over the river and through the woods, for example, be careful, right? Um, oh Mark, do we have caller? What? We almost made it the whole show. I, I, what? be honest we were talking due west in the first hour of the show yeah. <laughs> that's true all right went a lot of it was your fault very mark. quickly <laughs> that's true uh who do we have lined up here mark we have I callers? Don't know, caller one through eight let's find uh, out who's going to pick the number scotty we never let you pick the number give us the number one through eight seven scotty goes with number seven he's clearly a fan of george costanza all right <laughs> that's a good reference thank you chris chris what's up good morning guys chris Merry how you doing Merry Good. Christmas to you, Chris. Just got off work about an hour ago. Uh, hopefully, we're not working tonight. Uh, what line of work are you in? Uh, I've talked before. I, I uh, work at Dayton State, uh, forklift driver. Yeah, okay. that's cool. Yeah, we're, we're not allowing Jake to do that uh, tonight. So, that would entice, or you would be doing what tonight, Chris? Uh, be, if I go to work? Yeah, plowing. Salt. Oh, no, it would be, be on the dock, you know, just unloading and loading trucks. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got Chris, it, got when it. you were a kid, when you think back to Christmas of years past, what is the one gift that you recall begging Santa for more than any other of your childhood? Oh, that's easy. Dan Marino football. Okay. <laughs> and then now as an adult, do you have children? Uh, well, uh, son is 19, lives okay. in Florida. Um, yeah. This year, as an adult, the one thing that you most want from Santa is what? As an adult? Uh, just health. It's yeah. my health. I hear you. Amen to that. Amen to that is right. All right. Uh, Chris, would you like for me, that would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Go with you, Jake. All right. Uh, question number one. The Jags and Jets tonight playing on Thursday Night Football. This will be the 17th time that the two teams have met. Who leads the all-time series between the two of them? It's probably close. So I'll, I'll go to the Jets. Would you like multiple choice? What was Marvin Harrison's number? Jets, Jags, or they are tied. Oh, okay. Okay. Chris, number two, uh, Toronto's Pascal Siakam scored 52 as the Raptors beat the Knicks last night in New York. Siakam becomes the fourth active player with a 50-point game at Madison Square Garden. Which of the following does not have a 50-point game at MSG? James Harden, LeBron James, Devin Booker, Steph Curry. I'm going to uh, go with Steph on that. This guy broke my heart in the NCAA tournament one year. Did he? Yeah. Okay, I remember that well. But All right, question number three. Domas Sabonis had a triple-double, 13 points, 21 boards, 12 assists, as the Kings beat the Lakers last night. 
He is the sixth player in NBA history with 75 rebounds and 30 assists over a four-game span. And the first since Wes Unseld did it in 1970. It's a lot of numbers bouncing around in your head, I realize. Name the only guard among the six who have done that feat to have pulled it off. Is it Russell Westbrook, Elgin Baylor, Oscar Robertson, or Jason Kidd? I go with the big O. Chris, what's the ideal weather on Christmas morning? I'd say 30 degrees, light snow. Are you waking up to like a dusting? Yeah, that'd be all right. Maybe maybe one or two inches, that's it. Yeah, I think you and I are in the same boat there. Um, Okay, number four. On this day in 1946, the Cleveland Browns won the inaugural AAFC championship game, defeating the New York Yankees 14-9. In the four-year history of the AAFC, who else won the league championship? I mean, Scotty, what are we? I mean, it's supposed to be Christmas. <laughs> A, the 49ers, B, the Los Angeles Dons, C, the Baltimore Colts, or D, the Browns were a dynasty, and they won all four of them. Uh, no, I, should, I know I should know this. But uh, I'm going to go with the, the L.A. Dons. Chris, why the hell should you know that? <laughs> Post-World War II, who Question know number that? five. On this day in 1983, the Pacers defeated the Nugs 133-132 in Denver. That halted the Pacers' 28-game road losing streak. Which franchise, which is appropriately named when telling the story of the birth of Christ, <laughs> holds the record for the longest road losing streak in NBA history? Is it the Sixers, the Clippers, the Timberwolves, or the Kings? Uh, we'll go with the Kings. Okay. Probably a good guess. Though. Were there not Clippers involved at all in that? <laughs> That's right. Timberwolves um, make an appearance there? <laughs> there might have been some, well, I guess not Timberwolves. There might have been some Wolves at night, right? There might have been some yeah. of those on the Ark. Yeah, Timberwolves sure. Timberwolves on the Ark, at yeah. least. Uh, Jags and Jets tonight. Jags, two-point underdog in New York for a big one from the AFC playoff picture and Thursday night football. The all-time series leader... There is none. Uh, C. Uh, Correcto. 8-8. Eight, eight. Uh, question number two. Which of the following does not have a 50-point game at Madison Square Garden? And by the way, I will tell you first before we get to that, that it was the Kings for question number five. The Browns actually have the dynasty. Elgin Baylor was the answer for question number three. And Devin Booker, whose Kentucky Wildcats, I believe, defeated... At the mm. last minute, Mark's Notre Dame fighting Kevin. Irish. I'm Kevin. Call me Mark. Yeah. Year and a half we've been doing this now. <laughs> I forget which one's the Notre Dame fan. I yeah, you know Mark, diehard Notre Dame basketball yeah. fan. Slapping the floor when Mike Bray and the, fl- and the team fly. Well, the I don't know if you can Chris, stay on the line. You fired Friday. Mike Bray 17 times. Well, since we've done it's this called show. fandom, Jake. <laughs> Are you one of those guys that's like... I'll never forget Devin Booker coming in off the bench, banking a three in that Elite Eight game at the Cavaliers Arena. I'm thinking to myself, this Devin Booker's not not any good. And he's coming in and banking threes against Notre Dame. And then They were up that whole game, weren't they? The whole game. Who's better as a pro off that team, Devin Booker or Carl Anthony Towns? Probably. I... That's tough. I probably Booker. I don't know more team success. Certainly, yeah, I'd go with Carl Anthony Towns though. I, I he's he's pretty unique. Yeah, Willie Cauley Stein, big defensive possession there. I thought Willie Cauley Stein was going to be a total stud. Gosh, there. man, I think about that game way too much. 
All right, Kevin and Query, one final time before the Christmas holiday here on 93.5107.5, The Fan. Mark Dykton pulling out the modern classic right here. It's got to be the last one before we get off the air, right? In our final show before the Christmas holiday. Just a reminder, nothing for us tomorrow. Uh, we will be back, though, Monday morning. Colts and Chargers. Monday night football. And uh, we'll be with you all next week and into the new year as well. Now, Mark, you are traveling where? Up to Illinois. Uh my parents are hosting Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, so my mom's got a whole bunch of stuff going on, but uh, Christmas Eve will be at my parents' house for my dad's side of the family, Christmas Day will be my mom's side, and then we'll also go to Cedar Lake, Indiana to see my uh, my wife's side of so the family. So do you stay at your childhood home? Yep. Mm-hmm. The whole family? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then my brothers are coming in town, too, so it's going to be a packed house. Oh, it's kind of cool, though, They're coming right? up from Milwaukee, so they're coming Let's down to Mil- from Milwaukee. Break so. out the bunk beds. Bunk beds, onesie pajamas. It's going to be a, lots of booze, probably, at the Dykeman household. Nope. Oh, yeah. We're all of age. Well, I don't think the kids are. No, the kids aren't. They have their they have their kids' wine, as they call it, though. The Welch's grape juice that's in the wine bottle. <laughs> they call it kids' wine. I'm like, please don't say that at school, Addison, that you're drinking kids' wine at home. Is your daughter named for the Wrigley mm-hmm. Street? Yep. My wife and I had a bet during our first kid, and uh, I said, if the Cubs win the World Series, Addison is the name, and my wife wanted Harper. And luckily, if she would have picked any of the other 108 years to have a child, she would have won. Well, how about Bryce this year? That was a pretty good effort out of him. That was good. But it was Addison Harper is her name, so that's how I like happened. the name Addison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thank cool. you. Uh, Jake, um, you will be... We go to well, my north sister. Side yeah, I mean, everybody from my family lives here in town. So my sister Megan, we go to her house across from Lawrence North High School in that area. Um, we go there. My parents' house on Christmas Eve, scheduled to do Newfield's Lights Christmas Eve. So we'll see how that works out because the, I think it's going to be really cold. I don't think, hopefully it's not still treacherous in terms of the travel. Um, I think tomorrow is going to be pretty rough. Yeah, tomorrow morning, I think, especially. So hopefully everybody stays home and stays safe. No, uh, stays safe. Where do you go? So tonight we'll actually go over to my in-laws. Um, and then Christmas Eve morning we'll go to my parents. And then we'll fly out Christmas Day uh, evening down to Florida, um, do the show there remote Monday and Tuesday, and then be off next Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Now, this year, this will be fun. When when we do the show remote, last year, I didn't have... We didn't have laptops yet, I don't think. I had just started. So now we can actually... I can see you on FaceTime the whole time, so you got to be like somewhat presentable. Yeah, and I'm, I, was try, I was thinking about this the other day. Wasn't that when... Weren't you like really sick too? I like you were at home and I was remote. Mark was like the only one in studio, right? Because didn't Mark put up pictures of us the whole time? I had COVID Uh last year, right? Was it COVID? The day after Christmas, I tested positive. And if you recall, I did the show. um, You were fighting hard, I remember. Remote. And then like two weeks after that, I got like the flu and I had a temperature of like 100 and almost 104 degrees for like three days. And I, I missed work and you guys did the show and then 
uh, you know, routed it out from there. But Mark secretly loved that. He loved putting oh, off those pictures. I used so much ink in this building. It was crazy. He did. No well, wonder our company had to sell after that, Mark. <laughs> Watch with all the ink. Where'd it go? The, the printer that's in here also is, you know, we get in in the morning. Scotty Johnston puts out these very elaborate and detailed, I mean. Beautiful looking. Th- yes, thankfully. Um, sheets for us that have the scores of everything that happened the night before. And they've got low, I mean, they're great. They're, they are truly like a godsend. But printing them on that printer out there, it literally, I, I think each morning, we don't know it, but we actually are launching four missiles in Belarus as well as printing because it's like the most elaborate. We get here at 5.50 in the morning to start printing because it takes until 6.50 for them to print them all off. It's very detailed, very detailed. Um, what do you think is going to happen on, because I guess we won't talk Kev, well, no, we will be talking Monday morning, I guess, previewing the Colts. Yeah, Matt Taylor's going to join us Monday morning. Um, again, I guess just a little bit of a lay of the land NFL-wise. Um, you've got Jags and Jets tonight, Thursday night football. We've said it a lot this morning, but if the Jags win, the Colts would be officially eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, Saturday, you've got 11 games, and obviously a lot of weather impacting Sorry, my the hell are you doing over there? My phone just like started talking to me. Talking to the North Pole? (laughs) Yeah. Um, You got eleven games on Saturday. uh, Some temperatures certainly to watch in a lot of those outdoor games. The three games on Christmas Day, Sunday, uh, not a great slate. Packers, Dolphins, actually like a one o'clock, but then the four o'clock Broncos, Rams. (laughs) That's the sound of that game being played. Sound like. Dan Orlovsky or Rosie <laughs> Bowen over there. Jeez. What? Okay. And then uh, okay, I'm getting what Brett Rippon and Baker Mayfield. Bucks oh, Cardinals at night, um, and then again the Colts play Monday Night Football. So just to recap, do you think people nationwide are excited about Monday Night Football watching the Chargers? Oh, and hell no. Nick Foles no. That, I, hey, y'all, return some of these gifts at that time. You said Dan Orlovsky, right? Now okay. the big. Oh, um, I mean, that's how we're going to end the week. <laughs> Mark, every time. Mark has never played that without laughing out loud. What are you, nine? Literally. Yes. It's funny. If the Colts lose out, they will draft in the top five. If they lose this week, they will be uh, having at least the fifth selection in the draft order heading into the final two weeks of the season because you've got Rams and Cardinals facing off. One of them theoretically has to win unless they tie. And that means the Colts will move up a couple of nfl notes it does sound like ryan Tannehill's availability for the rest of the year is in doubt is it an ankle injury for him i mean i mean i i know this is probably not how the show is supposed to end but this division is just sitting on a platter i know every team is just the titans are saying we traded aj brown Harold Landry tore his ACL. Taylor Lewan tore his ACL. We're going to fire our GM in the middle of a playoff push. Our quarterback is now hurt. We're going to a rookie that, okay. by all accounts, Kevin. when they drafted Malik Willis, it was, this is going to be a multi-year project. They're 7-7 seven and seven as a football team. They've lost four straight, and you are in no well, position to threaten them. So the, the alternative to that is... We're going to fire our head coach in the middle of the season. We're going to replace our quarterback in the middle of the season. We're going to replace the rookie that replaced the quarterback in the middle of the season. We're going to put an interim coach in there. We're going to fire our offensive coordinator. I, you know. Yeah, but you didn't trade away your best player in the offseason. Yeah, who you went on to make a Pro Bowl. You right? didn't have two of your best players tear their ACLs in August and September. Um, 
I mean, I get it. Leonard's been banged up, but I mean, he's not been as hurt as you know some of these other Titans have. I just it's just disappointed to think that you know tonight it could be six of eight years you've missed the playoffs. I mean, that's the worst stretch this franchise has had, Jake, in about 25 years. I'm going to ask Scotty Johnston the following trivia question since Scotty does the pop quiz every morning. Scotty, what do the following years have in common since the Colts moved to Indianapolis? 84, 85, 87, 88, 89, 92, 94, 95, 97, 2011, 2015, and this year. Big gap from 1998 to 2010 where this never happened. Sub-500? Sub-500 is a good guess. That's not correct. Do you know, Kevin? Something to do with quarterbacks? Multiple those, quarterbacks those starting? Those are the years where they started at least three quarterbacks. And if you look at it, the records, 4-12, and 5-11, and 9-6. and six, That was a strike here. 9-7, and 8-8, 9 8-8, 9-7, 3-13, 2-14, 8-8. You're starting three quarterbacks in a season. Usually yeah. it means your team is not very good. And your year has gone south. You know what? And some teams can overcome it, i.e. the San Francisco 49ers. You're right. This team's just not built to overcome that whatsoever. It's not about one guy, right? Uh, Butler Creighton tonight. If you're looking for some local viewing tomorrow, the Pacers in Miami. Again, that was a that was a rock fight a few weeks ago over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Um so it'll be Pacers Heat, both teams 16 and 16 on the year. That'll be an 8 o'clock tip. Indiana's got Kennesaw State tomorrow. I actually have passed the Kennesaw, the Kennesaw State campus a few times. That's near Atlanta, right? Yeah, right in the heart of it. The Owls of Kennesaw State. And I guess they're actually decent. They're really good at night. <laughs> Kevin just looks up and stares at Mark. What is what does that mean? In my opinion, that? that's that's suck. what he's waiting for. What? A little slow in the draw there, Mark. <laughs> I didn't I I don't understand why that Can I take back the shirt? <laughs> are you keeping you the wrap? The gift wrap? Are you keeping the wrapping the gift paper? Wrap, actually, you know what? My grandfather, when I was a kid, if you, he would say well, that is wonderful wrapping for the package, and he would fold it up and keep it. And I might do that. <laughs> yeah, I have been around some people that have done that. I, I would give you this back, but it has my name on it. My favorite thing is throwing away the wrapping paper. My mom really wanted to save and throwing it right in the fireplace. What are you doing? I'm like, what is it? It's torn up. What do you want it for? Oh, so you just throw it in there when the fire's going? Oh, yeah. That's not a bad idea. Wow, actually. that's a great idea. It's not a bad idea. We might need to adopt that. Uh, Jake, I know we've said it several times this morning, but safe travels to everybody out there. and Send it around Thanksgiving and hug your family. Hug your friends. Um, it's a special time of year, and we're lucky to be here. And Don't take that for granted. We're lucky to do this every morning, so we thank everybody that allows us to do it, and we wish everybody a safe and joyous holiday season and Merry Christmas. From Scotty, Mark, myself, and Jake, Merry Christmas, everybody. Safe travels.